The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for mature audience. The views expressed on this poorly made podcast reflect the opinions of the guest and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very poorly made podcast, click the link at the end of the description and become a monthly sponsor of the podcast. Or buy yourself some nice poorly made police memes merch. Not only does it look good on you, it's also a favorite of wives, exes, children, nurses, nuns, IA investigators, defense attorneys, and the chief. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Welcome to another fun, exciting, action-packed edition of the Very Poorly Made Police Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny. How the fuck are you guys? I hope you're doing well, and uh, this October is going well for you. This episode is uh, some definitely some lighthearted moments, but it is a little heavier in some parts than normal. And I usually am not the guy to give, like, I don't know, trigger warnings, but... If you've uh, been in an OIS or something like that, we talk about a couple in this, and the, the details are they're a little graphic. So keep that in mind as uh, you're listening. And you know, obviously, you got little kids listening, which you shouldn't, but I know it happens. Keep that in mind. Talk to a couple officers in the Midwest, and uh, they're twin brothers. So this is our second set of twins on, and I think a couple months. So good dudes. I think you guys will really enjoy the conversation. Lots of good topics came out of it. But before we get into the podcast, obviously we got to give huge thanks over to officerprivacy.com. They make all of your Sunday podcasts possible. They've been doing that for a long, long time. You guys know if you've been a long-time listener, I'm a paying customer of the service. I believe in it. And I want to tell you a story about why I am a paying customer of the service. A listener hit me up and said, hey, I have... Uh, knowledge of a situation where an officer arrested somebody guy was unhappy with police services the guy had been recorded at jails talking about wanting to kill the officer involved guy gets out calls the officer's wife and tells her to be on the lookout and all this crazy shit it's a bad deal and now the guy is looking for you know how how can i protect my identity type thing I've been preaching it for a while, guys, and this is this is the exact story here. Occasionally, you arrest some really shitty people, and they're capable of violence. You don't want work coming home, right? Well, this is a, a way we don't typically think about work coming home is, is bad stuff like this. So I, again, highly recommend go check out officerprivacy.com. All right, that was kind of a, a somber note to start the podcast, but a real note. Let's uh, play a little music. I don't know. How about a little uh, weekend picnic? And uh, we'll be right back with the twins.
Oh, hey there. Joining the podcast all the way from a conservative state in an unknown location in the middle of the country somewhere with some stuff in it. I have the twins. I have Cody and Zach. I was going to ask, how are you, boys? But I'm not going to fuck this one up. I'm going to ask one at a time because that's how you're supposed to do it. Zach, how are you, bud? Good, man. Glad to be here. And Cody? Same, man. Are you guys having anything to drink tonight, or are we doing this sober? Sober. Doing it sober. Yeah. Sober, sober, oh, sober. Man, this might be a somber, sober episode. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be that way. Just remember, though, cry. Be a man. It's going to be okay, all right? We're all here. <laughs> it's going to be okay. So uh, Cody and Zach come came to me, and said, hey, we want to be on the podcast. We are identical twins, and we've been through some shit, and we want to talk about it. So that's what we're going to fucking do. But to lighten the mood immediately, because I need to know, because the last twins that were cops on the podcast would not let me know, I I have some questions, right? So as twins, are you guys like, do you guys look exactly the same, Cody? Yeah. Okay. Everything about you is the same. Okay. Same haircut. Well, what do you mean by everything? Well, that's where we're going, bud. That's exactly <laughs> where we're going. Um, sometimes we change up our haircut or our facial um, hair. You know, sometimes I'll shave and Zach won't. But for the most part, if we were standing right next to each other, you wouldn't know who's who. Do you guys? I assume you guys don't live together, right? Uh, we used to. Um, okay. Only recently had we moved away from each other, but for the first twenty-four years of our life, we did. Really? Did you guys always like? Did you guys dress the same? Uh, I'd say so. It was pretty. Just we don't have a style. We aren't big into clothes. We just wore what we had. Yeah. So I'd say our styles were pretty, uh, pretty similar. There was no name brand stuff. It was just whatever. Okay. Well, here, here's the thing. This is what the people want to know for scientific purposes, and I'm just going to come out and ask it. Are your dongs the same size? Do you know? Cody's got me beat big time. Big time. Big time. <laughs> oh, and I will take that to the grave. It's 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 a is tragedy. That true? It's a tragedy. How the fuck is. God is. is fucking cruel, man? <laughs> what the I fuck? Know how, I don't know. I don't know. I think Zach got, got a little bit more and he's like a little bit bigger than I am. But I mean, not everything's cut equal, you know what I mean? Really? Not yeah, damn right. Not, not everything's cut equal. I mean, it's obvious, brother. You ain't gotta you ain't gotta downplay it, my man. You know, you know what your parents should have done at birth, just to tell you guys apart, is like circumcise one of you and not the oh, other. Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. Have you guys Ooh. been in a scenario where like chicks, like you got girlfriends or whatever? I don't want to assume fucking like sex because I did that on a podcast not too long ago and we had a very awkward conversation at the end. But assuming, have you guys like chicks not been sure like when they get over to your place like which one's which kind of thing zach yeah yeah a couple of times not really once you get to date someone they can tell the difference but those first times meeting a girl bring them over your house they can get confused until they see the dong and they're like all right that's cody there ain't no mistaking it at that point yeah there was that one time that uh 
Zach was in a, <laughs> Zach was in a room um, with some girl, and he came out and made me change clo- change into his clothes and go in there. But I was so awkward. I just laid next to uh, this lady until she found out it wasn't Zach. Wait a second. Was this nefarious, or you're just fucking with her? What What does that mean? Well, I mean, okay, hold on a second. Did Did Zach say, "Hey, go fuck this chick," or were yeah. you just screwing with her? No, he he wanted me to, but I wasn't. I wasn't. Zach, I don't know. I wasn't about you? it. <laughs> you gotta how help out the you? homies, man. You gotta help out the homies. But you would know the difference. She's like, I can't feel anything now. What happened? <laughs> no, no, no. She couldn't feel anything originally. When oh. Cody goes in, she's like, whoa, what's going on here, brother? What yeah. happened? God, that's kind of fucked up, bro. That's like so no, fucked no, up. No, no, no. It's pleasing the woman. I, I, I obviously can't do nothing. You sure about that? So let the <laughs> twin go in and actually give them some pleasure. I mean, no, no, that's fucked up. All right. So we, we got to move on from penis sizes because that's not why everybody listens to the podcast. We need to know first and foremost how you guys got into policing. And I'll let you start, Cody. What's your story? How come you decided to get into law enforcement? I think ours, our reason were the same. But uh, I think, honestly, we just watched too many movies growing up. You know, watching cop movies. You're always growing up thinking, God, I want to be those guys. You know, those badass cops kicking indoors, pulling people out of fires, stuff like that. And I think Zach and I, you know, watch the same movies. We both want to do the same thing, and it stuck with us. So, Okay, God, yeah. I'm so sorry, but I have to know. Do you, you said watch the same movies. Do you guys mm-hmm. like the same type of porn, too, or do you guys have different tastes of porn? <laughs> honestly, I, I, don't, I don't know, honestly. I don't know. I don't know. There, we know our dick size, but I don't think we've ever monitored what porn we watch. So <laughs> that would be another level of weird, actually. Yeah, like, when I think be. about that. Those, those are just things you keep to yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. What, what about you, Zach? What, what got you into law enforcement? Same thing, man. Too many cop movies. Watching these cops drive with the lights and sirens, bust down doors, get the bad guy. Like, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to walk in a room and just start shooting just because? No, I'm messing with you. <laughs> Oh but boy! It's just—it's a great thing. It's—you it, see these movies and you're like, "Dang, those guys are heroes!" And you just want to do it. And just, just Cody and I feeding off each other, just both wanting to do it. That's what uh, kept us with it. Did you guys start at the same time? Same yep. day. We, yeah, we started the same agency, the same hiring class, everything. So went to college together for law enforcement together, and. We're roommates all through. We're roommates when we lived at uh, when we you know moved to this agency. So yeah, we were. I mean, we're identical twins. You know, we did the same things at the same time. You know, because we're the same age. Did do you guys ever get tired of each other? Mm, no, for the no. most part, no. No, wow. I wouldn't say so. Hey, younger, you fight like brothers. You hate each other, but then you grow up. You're like, no. That is my blood brother. I could rely on him with my life. I won't say we get sick of each other. You know, it's interesting, you know, same thing. Like when we were kids, like it's just a thing. You just fucking fight with your siblings. Me and my brothers are a lot closer now. Um, But I remember like in our 20s, I still had that sibling thing going on. I mean, I, I remember one time, 
I was pissed at my brother and I threw a salt shaker at him when I was like 18 or 19. And thinking about that now, I'm like, fuck, man, if that hit him, I could have fucking been bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I had an arm back then. I don't have that now. It wouldn't have hurt now. But back then, yeah, I would have hurt. And yeah. uh, anyway, yeah, Cody I'm not was admitting the, to violence. Cody was the little brother. So shit went downhill. We had an older brother. He beat on me, and I beat on Cody. So Cody just kind of got the brunt of everything. He's mm-hmm. got some scars on his body from just us brothers. How uh how far apart are you? I have Cody beat by three glorious, phenomenal minutes that he will never get on me. <laughs> three minutes. Wow. That three minutes like of pure knowledge, man. Pure knowledge, three pure wisdom. Pure knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, go I always say that there's like minutes of my life. <laughs> I always feel like there's a uh like a, a twin in the womb that beats up on the other twin, you know? <laughs> like takes all the nutrients there's not like really sharing like who's the runt <laughs> uh, i was always bigger but i mean like we talked or uh cody excuse me he's got me beat some areas making me edit oh um, i know man i know you gotta okay. get rid it's of that other one. it's good for me man it's it's good for me it keeps me on my toes only two so, so far so that's yeah that's pretty good so far so i, I wanted to take a quick quick step back because you guys brought something up that that just so happened to come up on the last podcast I uh, I record or one of the last ones I recorded, not the last one, but maybe like a week ago, and we were talking about you know growing up watching the cop movies, and you see that shit, and it's like action twenty four seven, right? And then you get on the job, and it's not like that, right? Like there is action and there is excitement, but it's you know. 1% of the day, right? And 99% of the day is bullshit or, you know, 90% of the calls, you know, they're, they're pretty mundane type things. And yeah, I, I always, and it kind of got my brain, not, I want to say always, but it kind of got my, me thinking about it a little bit is I wonder sometimes if, you know, cause I think a lot of us, the same thing, like, yeah, my dad was in law enforcement, but you know, you see the TV shows and shit. And I wonder if guys, see they want to be captain america they want to be batman and so they they make action when there shouldn't be action you know what i'm talking about i'm not accusing you guys of that by any means but does that make sense kind of that thing i mean i we all know those guys on every department that are just like dude why you fuck are you riling people up and i maybe it's kind of this thing like they just they have to have action all the time when there doesn't need to be action does that make sense? Yeah. No, I get you. Yeah. You know, the one officer shows up on the call and you just calm the suspect down and that sh- officer shows up and now it's all back to chaos. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's funny, like, you know, 90% of the job is pure, you know, bullshit. It's just, you know, like paperwork and whatever it may be, you know, dealing with not very the most intelligent population and the 10% is just the fun and the love. And I think we're so addicted to that 10% that we continue to put up with the 90%. You know what I mean? It's just a, like a love hate, you know, you're so addicted to that sliver, that 10% that you will freaking put up with that 90%. It's an addiction. Zach, what do you think? What do you think about that, Zach? Yeah, I'd agree, man. I'd say it's you stick it through all the crap just waiting for that next little uh 20 minutes at, of that fun incident on scene and then you're back to the grind of just crap on crap on crap just waiting for that next uh time that gets the heart pumping you know what i mean so 
It, yeah, it, it, I would say it is an addiction, and I would say that there are officers that get on scene and just rile people up. I'd say it's more of the 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 power of the badge has got to them, and they just think they're invincible and do what they want. And those people are obvious. Everyone knows who they are, and you just, you look at them, you're like, "Golly, man, what's what is going on? You need you need to change." I man, I I hope a lot of those people are. I mean, in the mass exodus. I mean, maybe. Hopefully some of those people are actually leaving. I don't know. But, and just to be clear, so like in case somebody's listening to this, like I don't, that's not the majority of cops, right? That's like a guy or two on your fucking department mm-hmm. or on your shift, right? Yeah, Depending yeah, on how big yeah. it is. It's not everybody. You know, it's kind of funny. Funny, Cody kind of brought up like, you know, you get through the call to get to the fun stuff. And we we all know, and I've alluded to, you know, I, I've, I have, probably aspirations to go back someday because i'm fucking stupid but i had a dream last night and it was so real and it was almost like my body or an entity or whatever you believe in god whoever like fucking telling me like you're stupid don't do this and my dream was it was so fucking real my dream was i was on some other department and i I think I came in to help or something. I wasn't even wasn't even supposed to be there that day, right? And actually, Toby was there. Weird, oddly enough. And I, he's like, "Hey, I need you to go take this this child. What this call? This child was out of control, and I need you to go take the the kid to juvie or whatever. I'm about to go off shift, right? So I get there, and I I quickly realized that like the parent had beat the shit out of the kid, and it was like the we needed to deal with the parent and the whole idea of my dream and the thought process I was having was this is fucking dumb. I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This guy should be doing this call. Not that we shouldn't be protecting kids, but it's like, fuck man, I want to do fun stuff. This is like fucking intense. I don't want to fuck this shit up, you know? Yeah. And, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up and I, I, that was one of those times I woke up and I said, Oh, thank God. That wasn't my call. Thank God that call sucked. But anyway, it just, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you live for those fucking awesome moments, but man, the dumb stuff in between, because that dumb stuff in between, if you don't handle the child call, right. could be your career, you know, if you don't investigate that well. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys all start at the same time, go through the Academy together Mm-hmm. yep did you feel like people got people gave you guys shit you know going through at the same time or did you guys i don't, yeah, I don't know i think I don't know, a little bit shit. it was just where were their co-workers going through the academy with them and you know they they thought it was kind of cool i guess i don't really know what to i don't think they thought it was weird that two twins were going through the academy at the same time did you guys end up getting out on like the same shift together, working the same days, that kind of stuff? For the most uh, part, first... yes. We didn't. Yeah. I'd say the first two years we didn't work the same side of town, but we did work. You know, let's just say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, both working. You know, swing shift or overnights. You know. Was it weird going on? Did you guys end up going on calls together, Zach? Uh, yeah yeah when we go on calls together it it is weird because at the end of the day you just don't know him as another fellow officer you know him as your twin brother and when someone uh riles 
or you know is yelling at Cody, your twin brother, and is getting in their face or not listening, you just get amped up and you have to pull yourself back because you see, you know, as the bigger twin, you see someone yelling at your little twin, you just want to break their neck. So it was hard to go on calls together. And you, and you just had to be conscious of that in the back of your mind that, you know, it's a job. Your twin can handle themselves, but sometimes people, man, they, they yell at your twin and you just, you want to break their neck. You just like, dude, I'm not, you're not going to yell at my twin like that. Like, but it, it take it took time and then you're able to reel it back in, but it's still every once in a while, someone would do something and you just lost it. Not physically, but you just started yelling at someone, you know? You know, I, I've had a married couple on before and I don't think I really dove into it enough, but, and I'm not saying like you guys are the same as being married, but I got to say it'd be similar, right? You know, a couple, you know, you meet on the job, you know, you live together, you know, I don't know how I know there's couples that work on departments, but I don't understand the people that work the same shift, you know, because I feel like, man, I like if my wife was a cop and we were on the same shift together, I'd be super fucking protective of her. How could you not be, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. I think we were always protective of each other. And I think they kept us. I don't know. I mean, we could really choose where we wanted to work, but. Yeah, I mean, if you hear, you know, something amped up on the radio and you hear it's, you know, your twin brother, you're like, um, I'm going, I don't care where the hell I'm at or what the hell I'm doing. You know what I mean? So there's always that, you know, like instinctual, you know, this is family. This is more than just not that I I would still do everything for my coworkers, but it's just a little bit more for your brother. So, so because we're not going to give away their state just because it is kind of a, you know, identical twin type thing. Um going to kind of speak in some generalities but when did you guys start policing the summer of love wow so did you did you join the police or did you apply prior to minneapolis or after or uh we graduated the so we the state we went to is we got our college degree which included our academy training um and i think in the last two weeks of our college so our academy um the minneapolis george floyd incident happened COVID happened um and so we were applying to agencies actually i think we applied to the this agency before all that because it was three months after that that we got the job so we applied to most of the agencies before but some of them we were applying after the minneapolis incident okay so but basically you'd started down the uh the path of law enforcement prior to all of that uh happening correct do you think well you know let's say you guys were like a year younger and got started a little bit or a year older no younger that's good math you got started a little, a little bit later do you think that would have deterred you from being a cop seeing what happened in the summer of love we'll start with you zach no, I don't think so. We went to, we got a career, we got a college degree in it. We always wanted to try it out for ourselves. So I don't think that would have uh, influenced our decision of not to fully go into law enforcement, just getting out with that degree and then just realize, Oh, you know, I don't want to do that. Go do something else. I think Cody and I always felt that we had to personally do it to really, that was always our passion. So we weren't going to give up just because of one incident, we were going to go personally experience and have our own experience on law enforcement. Yeah, no, do you share the same thoughts there, Cody? 
Yeah, um, gosh, I just had a point, but I forgot it. Um, something about, uh, Your massive I don't know. cock. Yeah, it's just Humongous. blocking my, my brain waves. <laughs> There, you know what I mean? You gotta yeah, unwrap no, I, it from I my don't head. know what you mean. I don't know what Okay. you mean. <laughs> Cody uses his belt. He's had a free belt his whole life, man. Truly. I'm so jealous. I've always, we've had to, I have to buy my own belts, not Cody. No, 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 no. He has to wrap it around just so it's not slung out. You know what I mean? But it's a free belt. Um, but I do remember what I was going to say was, I think starting as young as we did, the minimum age, you know, 21, I, a lot of cops, you know, it was funny because every new hire was between the age of like 25 and 21. You know, they're throwing these young people and don't get me wrong. I'm still young. I'm still a kid. But I mean, it was like it really hit you when I went to my first like one of my first domestic calls and these people are arguing about a mortgage. And I had to stop him like, what is a mortgage? You know what I mean? It's truly You know, like that's when it put it, it hit me like I'm just a kid out here. I'm, you know, I have no idea anything about the real world or anything. And they just throw you to the wolves. And so I'd learned about a mortgage on a domestic. And so that was very interesting. <laughs> So, yeah, I realized people weren't on, uh, some people still had to pay for phone minutes and they were on uh, two-year plans. man. That's how naive we were to the world. And law enforcement made us grow up real quick. You know, being so young, living in a very ritzy neighborhood and then going out and going to these poverty-stricken neighborhoods and realizing not everything's all fancy, you know. fancy this fancy that there are people that are actually struggling out there and realizing what struggles are you know it it took a long time to adjust it widened our eyes a ton and it changed who we were Yep, for sure. do you think you guys were too young to be in law enforcement zach I think we did it as well. I think we did it well for our age. But looking back, I mean, you know, if recruiting wasn't an issue nationwide, I would put the minimum age to be a cop at 25, given recruiting not an issue. There's some states now where they're trying to drop that to like 19 because recruiting so bad. But, you know, given this fake scenario where it wasn't an issue, 25 have some world experience know what a mortgage is you know what i mean like i mean it's just it's really hard because you truly are throwing a kid out to the wolves in these streets and you're saying hey you're 21 you don't know anything but you're gonna go figure out these 45 year old problems because you know that's how it is right now Yeah, and I'd say that, uh, you know, your brain really isn't fully developed till 25. The things you see out there, your brain's still developing. If you see that day in and day out, that impacts your brain on developing, I feel like. So I would say if I were to, if I were to redo it all, I'd be a firefighter. First chance Truth, I got, I'd be a damn firefighter. truth to that. They You're have, most. mm, they got it good. I'd be a firefighter. I'd never go to law enforcement. You know, well, it and it'll probably give away a little bit, not a ton, but you know that you guys worked in a place where firefighters actually got paid. You know, I being more in a rural area here, nobody gets paid as a firefighter, right? Everybody that's a fucking firefighter in the parts of the world I live in now, it's all volley. They all fucking do it. Uh, you know, Yeah. goodwill kind of thing. And those those Yeah. really good paying firefighter jobs are so fucking competitive and so few and far between where you have to pay cops all over the country, right? Firefighters, bigger cities. That's it. Mm Yeah, hmm no, I was, I showed... 
um, Zach here, where our local fire, de fire department was hiring at 58 grand a year, no experience required. And that was only a couple, you know, only uh, there was a very minimal difference between our salary and their salary. And, you know, we would handle what, 30, 20, 30 calls per officer per night. They would handle like like three or four calls and they're just sleeping, hanging out with their best friends all day. And we're just freaking getting ran through. Oh, yeah, man. The train of calls runs through cops. <laughs> in the ass. Hey, that's mouth. like all I love of the uh, analogy of, or just the, whenever I think of like firefighters, I always imagine dispatch is staging fire. They're, they're staging fire and medical and letting law enforcement clear the scene first. So here I see, a, as I'm driving up to the scene, I see a fire truck full of six jacked dudes with beautiful <laughs> mustaches as I'm driving by them, just lonely me clearing the scene while they're a block away and there's six of them and it's just me and i was like they got it pretty nice they really do mm -hmm. Very you true. know i i wouldn't be shocked if at some point in the future okay here here's let's let's fucking brainstorm here okay so i i was joking at the uh end of my career you know because basically you couldn't be proactive i said here's the deal they don't want us out here let's fucking stay at the station We'll be like firefighters. We'll fucking leave the station when they want us. And let's fucking go in like a, a minivan or something, maybe an SUV for cops, for cops to call, just like fucking firefighters. But what if, what if, you know, the fire engines, we start blending, right? Where you have, you know, a cop on board, you have a paramedic on board, you have, you know, a couple firefighters on board, but everybody's kind of cross-trained, right? Mm-hmm. Saves taxpayer money right there. But you know how it is. Like, you don't need a fucking a full rig to go out on some bullshit call. But what if you started putting, like, a cop on a fire rig? Somebody that could, you know, if it was going to be a call where you needed a fire rig and a cop, you could do that. I think Put a gun on a fire rig. Or know? put a gun on a fucking fire rig. Put a fire. gun on a fire rig. They don't need cops. Put gun, mace, taser. Train all of them. Boom, yeah. right there. Now you have six cops. You have six of them. Yeah. Or just one guy, like one guy, like they can start going to those calls where it's like, hey, it's not a crime, but the guy's crazy kind of thing, whatever, mm -hmm, mental health call, mm -hmm. whatever. I'm we're, we're solving the world right here. Yeah, um, we are. I, I wanted to ask you guys about this, and because you mentioned this before we started recording, is you guys said, I don't remember who said it, but you are Gen Z as fuck. Very true. Very true. What does that mean? What? What is Gen Z as fuck? Describe that for me. Uh, it means we go into an agency with a bunch of 45. Well, I won't even age is not a factor, but I mean, you go into an agency and you get people start, you know, you get them on the Gen Z lingo. Soon the whole department's slinging out, bruh, or what up with it? You know, bruh. what's up, gang? Mm -hmm. You know, just all that stuff. <laughs> You know what is uh I don't I don't know if this is Gen Z or if it's just something that's just starting, but my kids have been using yapping. Have you heard that <laughs> one yet? Yeah, we heard yapping. What's what's Dude. big is mizzing. They're what's like, that? this dude's mizzing out on my mm -hmm. mama and shit. This dude's mizzing. You're like, I feel you, man. I feel you. I don't know what does that mean. What does mizzing mean? Mizzing means they're just freaking out. They're on. They're probably on drugs. When they say they're mizzing out, it probably means they're high as shit. Just doing what people do when they're high. You know what I mean? Or Mizzen drunk. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or drunk. 
Yeah, I I have to say I fucking love I love yapping, and yeah. it I mean it's always to piss each other off, right? Mm-hmm. Like when the when a sibling's talking, they say stop yapping, yeah, and it just it makes me laugh, which is like uh, you know then the other kid gets mad that dad's laughing at the other kid for making fun of the other kid, but it's just funny. It's great. I'm gonna have to bust that out on a call if I ever go back. Hey, yeah. stop your yapping. At the end of our career, we were dropping. You put that on your mama? Like, for real. <laughs> no cap. We're, no cap. We were dropping that left and right. You know, like, I mean, you really got to gauge what their honesty is. You know, if they put it on their mama, I ain't taking them to jail. You know, I believe them. That meth wasn't in their pocket. They didn't know it. It wasn't their pants. They said on that's my mama. How you solve, that's how you solve all crime is mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Um, Do you... How do you feel when you guys see the memes about me making fun of Gen Z? Does it offend you? Are you upset? Are you soft? No. Let me no. ask you that. Not at all. I like them. Okay. I don't know if I've really seen them. I think Cody's more probably into the program than me. But when I see Gen Z memes, I mean, they are funny. You know? I mean, you look at your generation and you see it. I mean, it's on a meme for a reason. I mean, you look. You look. we've all seen that person in that meme, so... It, it makes sense. I ain't got no issues with it. Can we can we take a second to give some shit to the generation that thinks they're the best, but they don't see their own flaws? And that's Gen X. Okay. <laughs> I am not Gen X. I thought I was Gen X, and then I found out I was a millennial. And that was very upsetting to me because I don't want to be a millennial. But here's my problem with Gen X is they're just like oh yeah whatever they don't take a stand mm-hmm. they don't take a stand for every anything they just fucking like oh, yeah whatever it is what it is and just let things go fuck off mm-hmm. take a stand i'm just mm-hmm. making fun of saul by the way because <laughs> fuck you saul anyway um back on topic here i don't know what the topic is probably time for the topic a is freaking bogus ass calls and i'll 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 start the subject here do it do it um there was one podcast that you talked about like bogus third beat third party domestic calls and i i think i have one that tops it all mom calls in stating her daughter is being abused and held captive and uh whatever all the all the third party dv calls that you've ever heard of you know what i mean they just layered on there she's been getting out she's been held hostage for 40 years she's being raped she's you know what i mean just all that stuff so i go to the hotel room talk to daughter uh, i knock on the door angry obviously it's in a hotel room it has to be in a hotel room of of course of course um angry dude you know cody was the hotel room five stars was it yeah yeah Yeah, motel six five stars (laughs) um But uh, dude starts yelling from my door. Who is that? I explain it's the police. I'm like, hey, I'm just here to check in on folks, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, I get to the point where, you know, the door opens and I, I can see only the legs of the boyfriend or the dude who's supposedly the abuse, abuser laying on the bed. And the lady's standing on the other side of the room. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? Do you mind coming to the me- meeting me at the door? Boyfriend says, I can't. I'm a quadriplegic. And I'm, my jaw just dropped to the floor. I'm like... How in God's name is this woman being held captive, kidnapped, or abused when literally she has to take care of the guy? You can't even move, you know? And I call the mom back after the call, and I'm like, 
you know, your daughter physically cannot be abused in any way. And she's like, wow. And I'm like, he's a quadriplegic. He can't move. Well, she's, he's verbally abusing her. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Or she can literally walk past him and never see him again. There's nothing he can do about it. It was just, that was one of my funniest, you know, bogus third-party DV calls. Dude, I hate, you know, and here's the thing, right? Is because DVs are important, right? You shouldn't blow them off. But man, like people will call that shit in. And just because of, I don't know, they feel like they need to and they don't have like the whole story or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, fuck, man, we have to take this seriously. But like you are just making me hate taking DVs. Yep. For because sure. of this kind of fucking bullshit. Zach, you have any stories? Oh, sorry. No, I don't know if I have any stories, but just, yeah. The DVs are important, but those BS DVs that we all know we go to, it devalues the real DVs that happen. And it just that's what it, I was it trying pisses to everybody say, off. Yeah. It just devalues the real DVs where the woman or the husband or whoever gets the shit kicked out of them and beat to hell. And like these little kids are watching or upstairs here and mom or dad get their ass beat. That's what hurts and that's what sucks in all these other DV bullshit calls that just devalues the real ones. You know, and, and I don't know, I don't know if I want to go down this rabbit hole, but I, I just hate this like automatic assumption by some people that like the woman's the victim. Like I, and I'm not trying to say that like, I don't know. People are just going to misinterpret if they want to. I'm not saying (laughs) Yeah, that, you know, like women are making these things up. That's not what I'm saying. But I've said this before. and I've said it again. There are relationships where like the couples literally just fucking beat on each other all the time. Mm -hmm. And then they go have fucking wild sex and have a million fucking kids. That's just what they do, man. That's just what they fucking do. And like one day the guy gets arrested. One day the guy, the girl gets arrested and they just fucking beat on each other all the time. And people will be like, how can you arrest her? And it's like, she fucking hit him today. He hit her yesterday. Like, they're both fucking stupid. They should both fucking leave. And it again, it takes away from like the true DVs, the true people that are can't get out of it. Right. And and we have this attitude about things about like, well, you know, people can't get out and they feel like they're trapped and they're stuck and stuff. And I, I understand that. But at some point, people got to lift themselves up. Right. Say, I, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to get out of here and believe in yourself. Find a fucking way. But I don't know. That's a story for another day. This is a quick message for all my brothers and sisters out there in law enforcement. We all appreciate ruggedness and reliability in our daily life. But what if I told you there is a way to feel and smell great while keeping that strong yet commanding presence. Enter Cattywampus Acres Goat Milk Soap. So my name's Jason, I'm with Cattywampus Acres, and I've been a cop for over 16 years now. Our goat's milk soap is not just soap. It's a game changer for men and women who appreciate that quality and confidence. It's handcrafted right here in the USA. This soap is the secret weapon you've been searching for. We have soaps designed for men and women. We have woodsy notes, florals, citrus blends, all kinds of good stuff. This soap is not just skincare, it's a true statement. I make every batch of soap using goat milk from our own farm, and our soap offers the strength and nourishment that your skin craves without compromising on any of that rugged masculinity or female toughness that you embrace. 
So as law enforcement professionals and savage pipe hitters, we know that confidence is key in everything we do. And what's more confident in knowing that you not only look the part, but you smell like greatness. So if you want to truly experience this amazing goat milk soap today, visit our website at cattywampusacres.com. That is C-A-T-T-Y-W-A-M-P-U-S-Acres.com. And make sure you use the promo code POLICEMEMES to get a 10% discount on your order. So guys and gals, it is time to elevate your grooming routine, embrace the freshness, and carry that irresistible aura of confidence with you wherever your duty takes you. So check us out on all social media platforms at Caddy Wampus Acres. All right, you guys want to get you guys want to get a little real here? It's gonna get a little little, little somber, like we promised. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Cody hit me up and he said, "Hey, look, you know we're identical twins. We've worked at the same department." We've both been in OISs and we weren't together. And they're both gracious enough to uh, talk about them, which I've, I was not in my career in an officer involved shooting. Um, a lot of people go through their whole career without being through one. But I, I think it's for us, you know, that haven't been through, it's, it's kind of good to hear their experience, what they saw, what they observed, you know, before the, after the, during the aftermath, how they dealt with it. Cause I, th- I think it's educational for cops. And I also think it's educational. You know, if there's anybody from the public listening about how this actually, what happens, you're actually hearing it from the cop and not from the bias news story. So I guess we'll start with uh, you, Zach, you want to talk about your situation? Yeah. So, um, Basically, I'm working in a sector. It's daytime. It's busy. Calls are coming in. Um, my sector partner gets dispatched to a no contact order call. Basically, brother calls in. Yeah, my brother's in the house with me. He has warrants and he's violating the no contact order with me or uh, protection order, whatever you want to call it. And my buddy gets dispatched to that. They dispatch another officer and I'm like, hell, I'll go help out, you know, because those you just help out your second partners. That's what you do. So I hopped on the call as I'm getting there. My, my partner that was originally dispatched was on scene as he's walking up to the house. He sees the brother that had the protection order violation in the warrant, leaving the house, gets in a foot pursuit with him. I run up there, lights and sirens. Um, and my coworkers using very good, uh, radio communication. Tell me where this guy's going as I'm getting up there. And he's saying, oh, he's running back to the house. He's running across the street. So I drive up there. I park out my car, and I, I don't see him across the street yet. And then, you know, two seconds later, I see him run across the street. So I drive up to him, put in park, lock my car, pull up my taser, and then I look behind me and see my partner, Trace, and he's he had already run quite a bit. So he was a little winded, so I kind of took lead. And I'm just, you know, sprinting. This guy ducked behind a house. So as I'm locking my car, pulling out my taser, I start running and I get around the house and I lose sight of the suspect. And at that house, the door, one of the residents opened the door and like looked out like what was going on. So I didn't know because there was a clear shot on the other side of the house. So I didn't know where this guy goes. He duck into that house. You know, how did I lose him? You know, there isn't many obstacles. So I yelled at my partner, hey, check that house real quick. And then I ran one more house south and then I'm at the street side. And I just don't see the guy. Citizen points me out, says, hey, you went that way. So I start jogging that way. And then the citizen re uh, yells at me and points out, hey, he's right there. 
and I see him across the street. Um, he's running south. He's he's running behind some houses, uh, parallel to the houses, kind of going like westbound. Um, so I run behind the houses, uh, and I still have my taser out because he's got felony warrants. He's violating no contact order. Um, so I'm chasing after him. I'm about two. I'm probably a house and a half away from him. And I'm just yelling at him, you know, giving him lawful orders. Police, stop me under arrest. Police, stop me under arrest. Just yelling it, you know, because I always, whenever you're in a pursuit, just get that out there so there is no question about it. You know, they can't argue in court, nothing like that. Police, stop you under arrest. That simple. So I was yelling at him. I trip, fall, do a pretty badass roll, get out of it. Then I uh, get up and then he's still running. I'm a little ways behind him because I tripped and fell. And then he just starts reaching in his waistband. So then I, I yell out on the, well, I was actually calling on the radio, but I yell on the radio, you know, he's reaching his waistband, put away my taser, pull out my service pistol. And then again, we're on like behind these houses and he's running uh westbound. Then he cuts in between two houses. And at that point I'm two houses behind him. So I cut uh, between my house onto the roadside. And then I don't see him pop out on the other side like he should have. So I just start walking uh, west where he was going. And then right as I round the corner, he's, at the side of this house, leaned into it with his hand on the doorknob trying to get in. And then I think his right hand, he has like a gun. And then as I round that corner, I see him. I don't see it right away. I don't see the gun. So I start walking out on myself like, you know, get on the fucking ground. And then he, uh, he looks towards me. And then as he's turning his body, his chest is now turning towards my direction. And so is that gun. It's turning just right towards me. And then I see that gun and I just start shooting. You know, I shoot three times or so. And then he just, I see, I see my bullets hit him. You know, he just, boom, just, ah, starts screaming. I see him drop the gun. He's screaming. I can't remember exactly what happened if I pressed my mag release or if it just, or if my gun got jammed or something. But nonetheless, I go around the house, just on the front side, back around the corner, reload. At that time, my buddy who was originally in the chase he's catching up to me. Then I reapproach the corner and see the guy. Um, and he's yelling, screaming, cause he's just been shot. We prone him out. Uh, me and my buddy do. And then at that time we're telling everybody what's going on that shots fired. So everyone's racing up there. And as we're proning him out, um, basically this, this other gentleman comes out of the house and he had been shot. And, uh, basically he was on the other side of the door looking through the people when his buddy was knocking and one of the rounds went through the door and hit him in the abdomen. Um, but then I totally forget about my original guy with the gun. And I just start applying pressure to the gentleman that was shot in the abdomen. Um, you know, obviously that wasn't my intention. The door was closed. There were no windows. I had no idea anyone was on the other side of the door. But I start applying pressure. And I just feel this. Then everyone's on scene. You know, everyone's, holy shit, what's going on? They're always there to help. We get the guy with the gun in custody. And then I'm just applying pressure and I'm like, all right, I got to get out of here. I just feel myself starting to like cry and just feel this overwhelming urge. Like I need to get out. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to cry. I got to get the hell out of here. So I stand up, I start walking over to my buddy um, and I just grab him by the shoulder and just lay into him, start bawling. And then Cody had showed up on that time and he's just coming right at me and he's like, you know, you're good. You're good. And I just grab Cody and I just ball into him, just let loose. I just cried so much. I can't even tell you. It just, it was the most relieving thing. It's weird to say, but I just let it all out. Just bawled my eyes out. And I'm just, him and I, I'm just having my head buried in his shoulder. 
And he's just like, you're good, brother. You're good. You're good. And then would you, I'm just like wanting to get away from the scene. So I'm just walking him backwards. You know, I'm, I'm walking forwards as he's holding me as he's facing my front side. So he's walking backwards as I'm like walking forwards. And I don't know where the hell I'm going. I don't know what the heck we're, where we are. We're in the middle of the street. And eventually we get to the other side of the curb and we just trip over the curb. And then they pick me up, put me in a car and bring me down to the station. And, uh, the one gentleman with a gun, he died at the hospital later. And the one gentleman that was shot in the abdomen, he, uh, he recovered and he, he's doing fine. He fully recovered. And it turns out later that the gun wasn't a gun. It's one of those novelty lighters that look like handguns. And I just, of course, you know, someone's rocking around with a novelty handgun lighter, like, come on. But, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. So the, um, the aftermath of that, did you feel like you were supported by the police department through that? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, somebody else got hit by a round. Were you worried about that? I was worried about it. I felt bad at first. My, my first thought is, Oh shit. I, you know, I shot someone else, you know, and I, I felt sad for him. I never wanted to, I always knew coming to law enforcement, the worst thing in the world would be to shoot at somebody and have one of your rounds miss or ricochet or something and hit somebody else. You know, that'd be the most horrible thing in the world in my mind. Of course that happened to me. So I was like, ah, you know, I, I felt horrible about it, but yes, the, the department supported me. This was, after Cody shooting, Cody shooting was a while before, but uh, I think they really did a good job. You know, I, I sat in this room and, you know, Cody called everybody. All my friends were there. They were there that whole day just hugging me and, you know, telling me it's all good. And I was surrounded by great people. And, you know, I had to go do the interview, watch the body cam, all that stuff. And I knew I was justified in the shooting. There was, there was never a question in my mind of shooting the guy with the gun that I was in the wrong so I wasn't really worried about that. I always knew I was right about that, but I was just, you know, it, it was more just emotions just draining from me. But the department was there. Everyone came in, you know, I gave everyone hugs. I was surrounded by friends the whole time. And then after everything was done, like the protocols and whatnot, I was sent home and I was just hanging out with my brother. It was, yeah. So I was, I was supportive. I would say so. Was there any controversy in the community since, you know, the other guy got shot or the other, you know, I, I, I mean, I suppose, you know, bad guy, you know, got shot and killed too. Did, was there any like outcry in the community? Cause this, I mean, this is post George Floyd. Did, were there any issues like that or was the community pretty understanding of what happened? I would say overall, the community was very understanding. Um, obviously, if you look at it without any details, officer, shoot someone that is unarmed i mean he didn't have a gun it was a it was a lighter at the end of the day so some of the news headlines i looked at i, I didn't look at them for a while but eventually i looked down i was like oh my goodness you know some of them those news headlines were just ridiculous you know but local news stories and whatnot and the community overall i say was extremely extremely supportive how are you dealing? I mean, obviously you've been cleared of it, but how are you mentally? How are you doing after this happened? Good. I'd say the the saving grace was getting into therapy right away. And it's weird to say, you know, I always knew I needed to eventually go talk to somebody that, through law enforcement. You see so much shit and you can't talk to people about it. There's just, you know, you can't just talk to your spouses about it. They don't know anything about it. You know? 
how you're going to be explaining to them your every gear on your uh, your belt before you can actually get to the damn story. Um, so I would say going to someone that knew law enforcement and knew you know law enforcement how it was going and talking to a therapist right away has helped me tremendously, and I would recommend that to anyone. It was it's phenomenal. I continue to go, and I would truly reach out to any officer that even if the, you don't have to go to something crazy like this to need therapy officers need therapy just because they see so much shit and it's it's been awesome therapy's been good sleep was a was a struggle after my shooting um but over time it's been coming back but it's still a struggle sleep is just the mind likes to race at night so you have to learn and have techniques to shut off the mind at night but other than that it's been good i've been doing good that's good to hear man and and honestly it it, and i didn't know whose was first but it probably helped that cody had kind of already been through that and you know could kind of walk you through the process of how that's going to go because i'm sure right after it happens there's a lot of unknowns like oh shit you know how how does this all work yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and what was phenomenal about it too is Cody and my other coworkers, they didn't know what happened. I couldn't tell them about it. You know, I couldn't talk to them about what happened, what I saw, what I did. They just knew I did the right thing. They were telling me you did the right thing. You did what you had to do. No, no one questioned that I did the, the wrong thing because they just know me as a person and knew I would do the right thing. So all my coworkers like, you did what you did, man. You did a good job. They had no idea if I just straight out murdered someone. They had no idea, but they just knew me as a person and knew who I was and knew I'd do the right thing. So to have them just say, you did the right thing. You did what you had to do. Knowing they had zero details. That was phenomenal. Cody, you ready to talk about uh, your situation? Yep. Um, Before we go there, I would say, you know, to piggyback off Zach, if you are in law enforcement and you don't have a therapist, you are doing yourself a disservice. Don't let a critical instant or something force you to go to therapy. I could not recommend it enough. You need to be going to therapy just because you're in law enforcement. You're doing yourself a disservice. And there's a lot of departments out there that should be covering it. I know some don't, but, and again, getting the right therapist too. You know, the therapist, Zach and I go to the uh, same therapist and she's worked for, worked with law enforcement for 25 years. She understands all that stuff. So, Finding the right therapist is one thing, but going to someone is an absolute, no matter what. I think everyone should be doing it. And, and you don't want to be in the situation that Zach and I or yeah, Zach and I were, you know, where a critical incident happens and you're forced to go to therapy. You should be keeping up on that. So, but that's yeah, that just my the, preface. Can I jump yeah, in on that real race. quick? Because I feel like you guys are like talking directly to me. Like, fuck, fine, I'll fucking go. Because um, it's <laughs> been a. Uh, I, I'm so on the fence with it because, you know, you mentioned, you know, and I wasn't in a shooting, but I, you know, I've had trouble getting to bed for a while now and, you know, I want to go, but then I, I also sometimes, I, and, and you guys know, you know, if you listen that I don't perpetuate, I don't think I perpetuate the stigma, but I, I still feel like it's there. Right. And mm-hmm. I, what, what sucks and I, I, hopefully we can dig into it. I, I have a guy that may come on the podcast soon. he's kind of on the fence, but I think we're going to do it. He actually, he went to his department and said, Hey, I'm fucked up. And they fired him in yeah, 2023. Yeah. It's fucking horrible. No. So I, mm. I want to hear his story. 
and uh, hopefully we can get him on. So I and I don't know everything, and I haven't talked to him. And I don't know all the details, but it, things kind of sort themselves out, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, we could maybe listen to it, and maybe it would make sense, or maybe we'll listen to it and we're like, oh yeah, this is fucking fucked. It's from what I know, it sounds completely fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Cody, go ahead. So yeah, um, you know, late night, 4 a.m. Uh, this was one of the few times Zach and I were working different shifts. So he had gotten off at like 3 a.m. and it was like 5 a.m. I get dispatched to, um, you know, a tall apartment complex, like not like a tower, but, you know, more vertically than horizontally built. And um, those who are in law enforcement will understand uh, LE lock boxes or LE codes, you know. Um, so at the base of this, apartment complex is like an all glass vestibule um basically the first door you walk in anyone can walk into it um but the second door you need a key code to get into and you know there's an le lock box basically a box in that vestibule where you type in a code you get the fob you um basically open the door and then you put the fob back so that's pretty much what i did i walked into the vestibule all glass i can see into the basement level of the apartment complex which is just chairs and stuff like that and there was one lady standing in the middle of the room you know nothing you know she was she was just hanging out and so oh i forgot to call talk about the call i got dispatched there for ironically like a disturbance but it was more like a noise complaint neighbor called in 5m said someone's running up and down the halls being too noisy maybe having like a mental episode so i get in there i get into the vestibule i look in you know and it's all glass so i see into the basement um, nothing's there but a lady. So I turn around, type in the code into the LE lockbox. I get the fob. I put, I scan the fob on the door getting into the apartment. It opens and I have to put the fob back. Um, for those of you who, you know, don't, maybe aren't in law enforcement, you always put the fob back because if I need help or I need backup inside, well, I have the fob on my, in me, on my pocket. You know what I mean? No one else can get in unless they break a window. So um, put the fob back, and as soon as I turn around, there's a dude probably 10 feet from me, dead sprint with a knife, and just running at me, determined. And it took me a second to recognize what was going on, because I remember seeing his face, and I'm like, oh, that's the guy, you know, that was attached to the call. That's his mugshot. I'm like, oh, hey, blah, 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 whatever his first name was. And I recognize, oh, shit, he's coming out with a knife. So I start backing up into the vestibule that's maybe a four-by-five room. It's tiny. And as soon as he runs through, he runs up as I'm drawing my gun, pushes me in the corner and like stabs me in the chest with the knife. Uh, again, it Holy hit my shit. vest. Nothing went through, but, you know, stabs me right in the chest and the vest. At the same time, I drew my gun and fired at, it. you know, like we're hugging. So I'm like firing into his side because like my gun's not between us. It's off to the side and I'm shooting at him from the side. Um, you know, we're literally like we could have kissed. We wouldn't have to move an inch to kiss. We were like literally we were touching, you know, and, um, he pulls the knife out, um, and goes, breaches his arm back to swing again. Of course, you know, it's kind of one of those vestibule things where the door closes right behind him as he enters. So I'm locked in this room with this dude with a huge ass butcher knife. Um, and, uh, so he swings his arm backwards, trying to take another swing at me. And I don't know what exactly happened, but I think when I shot him, I, I had hit him in the arm that he was holding the knife in, but it didn't necessarily take effect because I shot him as soon as he stabbed me, but it didn't take effect until he swung the knife back, trying to bring it back forward. And I think his body recognized, oh, I've been shot and his, his hand essentially let go of the knife. He couldn't do anything with it, you know? So the knife falls to the ground and we're kind of in this struggle where, you know, we're still chest to chest, essentially 
me and my guns like i'm like trying to get them away is the most you know happened two seconds and i'm trying to like push him away and i'm pushing him away with my gun in my hand and it's like in his armpit so he starts grabbing the my gun you know as i'm trying to pull it away so he's got his hand on my gun i'm trying to pull it away finally i pulled away and you know i shoot him and it hits him right in the head um you know, and to get into some details, pretty gruesome. I shot him right in the head, and there was glass behind him. And I watched, you know, his brains legit splat against the wall behind him as he drops like a sack of rocks. Um, you know, and I start calling for backup. And, you know, just, you know what I mean? Out of all the calls you go to, you know, I'm sure you met, met up, went on many, you know, poorly where, you know, armed robbery, shooting, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, this is it. This is it. You know, and you never expect the noise complaint or the disturbance, you know, to really get you. So just complete shock and awe. I run out, um, grab my med kit. It was kind of weird because he was, he was, I think the bullet, it hit the front of his head, went up and around and somehow it snuck back into like, it was weird, but essentially I'm literally, he's on the ground. He's looking at me with his eyes as I'm trying to scoop his brains back into his head while wrapping a bandage, like putting toothpaste back in a toothpaste bottle. It doesn't work. Um, you know, partner shows up, you know, and I still think I'm stabbed. So I, I say, you take over him. I'm going to check myself, make sure I'm not stabbed. Check it out. You know, I'm good. I'm not stabbed. Um, no legal problems. Obviously, it was a little worried. So I'm going to get brought back to the station. Um, Zach and a couple best friends show up. Um, you know, and it was, they kind of, I would say, isolated me a little bit more than Zach's shooting. And I think they learned from mine. Um, but anyways, you know, they put me in a room Zach and my friend came in for me a couple minutes. They said, all right, everyone out, um, spoke with my lawyer, um, you know, and, you know, it was like in that situation, he's there to defend you. But it also felt like, you know, I was, I was telling him what happened. He's like, mm, you know, let's, let's not say that. or mm, Let's reword that. And, you know, I'm thinking like, shit, I thought I'd just come in here and tell my story and I'd be, you know, all right. And he's like, he was just trying to put the best case forward. Um, obviously, there was no problem with it, but, you know, kind of made me feel like, oh, maybe I did do something wrong. Because in all reality, I only remember the shooting and essentially three three screenshots at that point. Him running at me with a knife, um, him pulling back the knife and trying to stab me again, and then me shooting him um, at that point. I hadn't seen the body cam. I remember the shooting and three screenshots. It was weird. I didn't even know what happened between them. And I could have swore to you, you know, I told my lawyer, I was like, you know, I shot him as he was running at me before he even entered the vestibule, before he even stabbed me. You know, it's like, maybe this will take too long to explain, but it, it's just weird. Your brain puts things together, you know, like your brain will remember certain things, but it'll block out others. And what it does is it fills in those things that you don't remember with its best guess of what occurred. Um, so I had shot, you know, we're in this five by four room, there's gunpowder in the room and, you know, you, it's like kind of a little foggy and, you know, I, my brain had thought, oh, I must have shot him as he was running at me before he stabbed me because, you know, there's all this dust in the air. It, it, I could have swore to you on my life. I had shot him as he was running at me and I hit the ceiling. And I told my lawyer that running at me, I shot him as he, I shot him at him as he was running at me and I hit the ceiling. I saw a bunch of dust fly down and that never happened. When I watched a body cam, I was like, I must be crazy. I literally was it was weird, you know, and it's a hard thing to describe, but, you know, you'll, your brain will block out things to protect you and it'll say, oh, you know, there's 
dust in the air. Let's just say, you know, you shot at him as he was running at you because that's the most logical option. Your brain fills in these gaps with its best guess. And sometimes that can be completely wrong. So that was a weird thing. But aftermath wise, you know, I, I really made some errors. You know, I isolated myself. Zach really tried to get me out of the house and I was a stubborn butt. I, you know, it's after a shooting like that, you know, it's really hard to go out and socialize. It takes like 10 times the energy it would before shooting or anything like that. It's so weird. It's hard to describe, but, you know, I isolated myself. Um, you know, it, it was, there were some effects that I didn't even know were part of PTSD, you know, that I, I, I would, you know, it's not like you wake up and you're like, oh, I got PTSD. I had all the symptoms. I didn't realize it. You know, it's like no one ever really told me, hey, you should go see somebody or you should go do this or that. Um, so, you know, I would have like jump scares if you, you know, would have if I didn't know you were in the room and I saw you and you were kind of like close to me, I would like literally jump out of my socks and scream and swear at you and be angry. at You um, I had trouble sleeping at night. Every time I closed my eyes, I was like, someone's going to stab me. Like I had to sleep at friends houses. Um mood swings were crazy i mean i felt like i was a girl on a period like i remember trying to tab down like um on a word document i was trying to tab down and it wouldn't tab down i kept smacking the keyboard i was so pissed and then all of a sudden it hit me like a tidal wave i'm like god i feel like bawling my eyes out like and so i literally ran i ran into my sergeant's office i'm like i'm gonna sit here i'm gonna cry and so i just cried and the mood swings were un, you know weird and looking back those are all signs of ptsd but I didn't know, you know, you, you get basic classes on, you know, what to look out for, but it's hard to look at yourself and evaluate yourself. You know, if, if it was Zach going, it, it's just, you know, it's hard um, seeing that stuff in yourself and being real with yourself. And, you know, I would have swore to you out. I don't have PTSD. I don't, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. So. Yeah, man, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's a hard, it's hard to listen to man. And, and I, I thanks for, telling us um i you know and just me thinking out loud but a lot of police shootings are in close proximity you know they say you know between like seven and 15 yards or something like that mm -hmm. but not right there right yeah. and you know you you saw some pretty gruesome stuff. I mean, like if you shoot somebody at a distance, like yeah, you're gonna see the aftermath of some holes, but you're not gonna see, you know, what you saw. And and that's a that's a fucking tough thing to see and to deal with. And you know, especially you know, you're not you're not a soldier. You're not at war. You're just going to a noise complaint. You know, you're just a cop responding to a noise complaint. You're not it's that's not something people are ready to see and deal with you know and it sounds yeah, like you found sure. therapy has that helped out quite a bit oh yeah but it, it had it you know and i say the you shouldn't has have out, cody yeah, yeah. but I, I say you shouldn't have to go hit rock bottom before you get therapy and i did so i i had you know I took three weeks off and hit the streets right again after my shooting and are you, you know, kidding you dude they only gave you three weeks Dude, that was that was on the high end. The minimum really? requirement was three days, and there were cops who were coming back after three days and hitting the streets. And the oh. average was two weeks. That is, that is bad. Mm -hmm. And that is bad. 
yeah, so I hit the streets and, you know, I've got, I'm really messed up in the head and my work started declining. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, so, you know, there would be people who would, you know, like start, you, you start to feel that physical confrontation. It's like, I never want to be so close to death again that I would like preemptively per se use force, you know, like, you know, and I think part of it's nevertheless to stay on topic. I would, you know, someone's not listening. Someone's not listening. We're you know, times past, for example's sake, I would say, you know, I would tell them 10 commands. I would say two commands. If they didn't listen, I was going hands-on. If they started resisting, they were going to the ground or whatever it may be. And that led me to get in trouble. And I almost got fired for it. And, you know, finally some guy said, why are we firing this guy? This guy clearly has PTSD. They sent me to therapy, took me off the streets. And, you know, if it wasn't for that lieutenant, I probably would be fired and, you know, wouldn't, it's, and I wouldn't have sought the help that I needed and wouldn't have had the wake-up call. So, yeah, it was definitely difficult. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I mean, I got through it and there are some other things. So there exactly. are things I can talk about after the thing here. Everyone wants to know, since you mentioned being so close to kiss him, did you try to kiss him? <laughs> you know, you know I, I was going to make a joke, but I'm like, this is not the time. Listen, no, it's totally other game. Don't do it. <laughs> no, he oh. tried some tongue. I was not down. Um, and then oh, another second sense thing is what it was about. Um, <laughs> my shooting too. I thought I remembered it, and I was telling the lawyer, you know, this is how it happened. Went up, saw the video. I was like, "Whoa!" My mind was way off. Just like Cody said, I remember rounding the corner, seeing him. And that was it. I don't remember what specific actions he did for me to shoot him. I had it played in my mind some some actions he did, but when I watched the the body cam, it was not at all how it happened. So it just shows that like your mind just does things to protect you. Like just like Cody said, it was wild to me when he because he always talked about these like three little screenshots he saw of his shooting, and I see this one screenshot of me rounding the corner, him there with the gun, and I'm like. I don't really remember what happened in between, but I have a good idea. And I told my lawyer what I think happened wasn't really at all what happened. So it's just wild that your mind will throw that away. And again, the, just to go off what Cody's saying, the saving grace was getting to therapy right away. And my therapy wasn't as much about my shooting. It was more about my life issues that just had been boiling up. Not to say that I have more horrible life issues than anyone else, but just through cop work, it just never went and sought help, never went and talked to anybody about it. So it just continued to build up and build up. So therapy was a great relief for me to just talk about my other life issues. In our sessions, we really only talked about our shooting maybe three or four times. But in reality, it was just more about my life issues. And that just helped me become a better person of who I am today. I'm happier than I am. You can talk to my friends and coworkers. They know I'm happier. They always knew there was some in loved ones. They always knew there was some subjects that were off limits. I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't bring it up. I, if they start talking about it, I would shut them down. I wouldn't really even listen to them. But now I can have those conversations because I've gone to therapy and it's not something that I've never processed in my mind or dealt with because I used to just put it away. Now I've processed it and dealt with it. So now I can talk about these things and I'm just a better person. And I would recommend going to therapy off off the bat it truly will help you and it'll help you in your law enforcement career so i i have a couple different things i want to go off of real quick here based on these conversations 
and I already forgot one because I'm bad at this, but I I did want to talk about this lieutenant that, that kind of saved you a little bit. Oh, and the memory thing, too. That's the other thing. The lieutenant that saved you, and this is just a rant because it, it's it's frustrating that it's 2023. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly when your shooting was, but obviously sometime in the last couple of years. Police departments have been around in a very similar capacity, kind of run similar ways. I mean, obviously things have changed. We're, let's just say 100 years plus, right? We mm-hmm. still don't know how to take care of officers after a shooting. Mm-hmm. That tell That is telling, is it not? Yeah. That the organization... I understand the crime fighting aspect. I understand the, you know, we got to take care of the citizens aspect, but there's very little, and we're starting to move the right direction, but there's very little of taking care of the officers. Um, Some departments try. Um, I thought my department tried. I think they did okay, but I know of a circumstance where a guy was in a shooting and he was back within, in like, I think a week and he, from what the rumor mill said, was he asked them, he said, I, 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 I'm I, not ready to come back. And they said, okay, well, you need to use your time if you're not ready to come back. And they, it, it, he almost felt like he was forced to come back. And so he came back and then another critical incident happened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is fucking, it's unacceptable, right? And, and I know right now we're in an era of, not a lot of people want to be cops. We have staffing issues. I understand that. But stop treating people like fucking numbers. Yeah. That is a huge fucking problem. Now, it sucks that you were kind of the guinea pig, and hopefully they they learned things and got things better. But I can only imagine that your department, that wasn't the first OIS they've had in 20 no, years, right? No, no, no. No. We had I, truly Cody's was the Cody's was the guinea pig of they saw the decline of an officer after a shooting and how much it can affect an officer in modern day they saw that so they really changed a lot of things come around when my shooting was my i would say cody's was the trial they didn't do the best mine was a lot better and a lot the department did a lot more and kind of looked over me a well, lot better so i would say yeah it was kind of a I'm, trial by air type deal which kind of sucks well and maybe I'm, I'm being a little bit unfair perhaps i don't think i am because i understand times are different things are different you know every shooting is different but i i still kind of feel and believe what i believe as far as departments they just they're so policing is fucked up, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, but it's not how people think it is, right? And, and you know, to me, I think it's there's a lot of symptoms of it, and, and a big problem is people in leadership positions that don't care. You know, they're they're yeah. just trying to climb the ladder as quick as possible, and they're not actually making their organizations better. They're just they're going to be able to retire as a captain, and they're going to feel good about it, right? Exactly. That's it. They don't actually fucking care. You know, the, the communities, the departments need to do better for cops, right? Yeah. After absolutely. such a violent encounter that you had, there's no reason you should have been back that quick. And in, in my humble opinion, 
I, I get that there can't be an unlimited amount of time, but that's fucked up, man. And and it kind of pisses me off that, you know, you were kind of thrown to the wolves a little bit. But, I mean, hopefully, you know, they've repented and made things better. And at least that at least there was that guy that actually stood up and said, why are we fucking with this guy? Let's actually help him. Like, it's it's obvious what's going on here, right? Yeah, um, and you know, I think something to note is Zach and Cody, or Cody and I and Zach, um, you know, went. We asked our therapist, "Hey, will you come with us?" And we want to present to our command staff on you know the aftermath of a shooting and what needs to change. And we did that. We presented to the chief and the top lieutenants and all that, the captains and assistant chief, and we said, "Hey, this is what happens. This is our personal story, and." This is what we should be doing. And we said there should be, you know, uh, we we asked for four weeks off minimum. And then when you return, you have to do two weeks uh, off the street. So two weeks in your investigation or one week in your investigation, one week in your youth outreach, whatever it may be before. And then you have to go to a therapist. You have to mandatorily go to a therapist. So to note on that is you should be the change that you want to see. So don't just put it on the lieutenants and all this and all that. Um, that they, though they can do better, but you have to sometimes start that change, and so you got to be that change. And you know, if you want something to change, there's no one better to do it than you. I don't disagree with that. I I'm not going to take away from your argument because you are right. You know, sometimes, like I was kind of making fun of Gen Z a little bit as far as like, yeah, whatever. I think the uh whatever type attitude can we can kind of follow that back to a lot of issues we're having within police department, society, marriages, whatever it is, because people don't care enough. So I, I applaud you on that. You are right. But I hate saying, but because that always makes it sound like <laughs> no I'm going to argue against you because I'm not arguing against you because you're absolutely right. I'll, I will just add that's that sounds better than, but I will just add this is way less condescending because I don't want to be condescending. I will just add that it shouldn't have to come to that scenario, right? Like instead of playing solitaire or minesweeper or hide the salami with the records clerk, those people should be thinking about ways to make the community better, make departments better. That's their, that's their job, right? To be leaders. And and I would argue in the 2020s in the twenties, that shouldn't happen to you in my, my humble opinion, but I, I no, do respect yeah, I that you, that you, you made a change and you, you stood up for yourself and for honestly, everybody else. If you guys don't mind, I, w- I was going to share a quick couple stories about, you know, what you guys were talking about as far as um, your brain kind of putting things together for you. Yeah, go ahead. A, um, I recommend everybody go check out for science. This is not a paid advertisement check them out because they have a lot of interesting information about what your brain does and reactions, all kinds of stuff. It's a, it's a great, it's a great read. A lot of stuff. They have some training too, I believe for science is is really cool, but I was, um, and remember kids, you're going to be judged by things that you, you reacted to fair or not. You're going to be judged by things you reacted to and you don't even know what happened because it happened so quick. But I I have two of my very own stories. I was very close to being in in an OIS and I've told the story on the podcast, but at the end of that call, something happened 
towards the end of it that was really, I guess I'm going to say important. I didn't remember it until I watched my body cam and I, and I thought to myself, how the fuck? This is like a, a critical detail. How did I not remember this happening? And I was right there as it happened. I didn't remember it happening because I think your brain, you know, can only take so much data, right? You got so many terabytes and then it's like, all right, I'm done. It's too much. The other one, and I think I've probably told this story on the podcast, but probably a while ago, I was talking to a lady, middle of the night, dark intersection. I can remember like that intersection, like, clear as day right and i see a guy crossing the street against the uh the red stop hand and i yell out to him to go back to the other side because it's a it's kind of a busy road uh speed limit's like 45 50 in that area it's like six lanes he doesn't and he keeps coming over and i'm staring at him i'm staring at the car as it hits him i see the car hit him I have no idea what happened and I'm watching it, watching it. I get on the air and I'm like, I couldn't even, I watched the car hit him. Couldn't describe the car that hit him. But luckily the guy pulled over. Thank God the guy pulled over. Um, turns out it was like some crazy guy that was going to see his mom that I was talking to on the side of the road about whatever they were calling the police about. I had no idea it was her son, but apparently he flew in the air. I didn't see any of it. Didn't see any of it. And I was staring right at it. So your brain will do shit to protect you for sure. And if I had body cam, it would have been a fucking bitching video. The guy's <laughs> probably fine, by the way. So, I mean, that's, you know, I've had those real life experiences. I think probably every cop in the country has had those real life experiences where they watch their body cam and they're like, what the fuck? That happened? Fuck. Or shit, you might pick up stuff on body camera because the body camera doesn't lie, right? It sees everything. You don't see everything. Your eyes do not see everything. You're not, they're not cameras. They're not perfect. You're human and flesh and you're imperfect. Just saying. Not for sure. All right. It got kind of somber. Should we lighten the mood a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Actually, um, I have some good news. I think I have an office of the podcast. I think we should read that. What do you guys say? I haven't even, I haven't even vetted it. So hopefully it's good because I just saw it come in. Uh, As you guys know, uh, ghost patch helps me out with the officer of the podcast. Actually, I got a, uh, I got a message from a guy today and he was like, Hey, what the hell is this patch from? I was like, oh, your buddy nominated you. Good job. So Ghost Patch uh, makes these fantastic patches, and I mail them out to the winners. So if you know somebody that's doing good work, they need to be recognized for the job they're doing, hit me up. Email me, poorly made police memes at gmail.com, and I will read the nomination poorly. Hey, Lenny, I would like to nominate one of my fellow officers for Officer of the Podcast. I recently got promoted. My shift consists of Officer Blankety Blank and a new guy. While I have to spend some time babysitting my new guy, I have full trust and confidence in Officer Blankety Blank. He stays up to date on case law and is a personal code reference cheat sheet. 
Blankety has a great attitude and is professional with the public. He also loves to get dope off the streets. He can write a ticket and still feel like they, he can write somebody a ticket and make them still feel like they won. He's been a cop for a while now, but he still has to drive to catch bad guys and get stuff done. He's made my promotion very easy and I appreciate the fuck out of his hard work. That was fucking beautiful, man. When I dreamt up officer of the podcast, it was that. So well fucking done, man. Good job. Officer blankety blank. We will be mailing you job, a patch in the near future. Does Officer Blankety Blank does he deserve a round of applause, a T-Rex or air horns? What do you think, Cody? T-Rex. T-Rex. I was going to say T-Rex as well. And we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back to the podcast. Oh, hey there. It's me. I wanted to drop in and thank you for the continued support of the podcast. We're starting to creep into the holiday season. Or, I'm lazy and I haven't recorded another one of these. It is the holiday season. It may or may not be the perfect gift, but consider the gift of poorly made police meme. Go over to ghostpatch.com. In addition to all the awesome stuff they have, they also have all my coins and patches. Also, my Teespring store. I got t-shirts, mugs, water bottles, all kinds of cool shit that may be the right gift. Or fuck everybody and buy yourself something nice. I believe in you. And obviously, don't forget about all the people that promote on my page and on the podcast. They're small law enforcement-owned businesses. Your money is well spent there, and they're not going to these fucking corporations that will put up shit to defund the cops and all that crap. So, again, thank you guys for all the support over the last couple of years. I appreciate it. Back to the podcast. Before we lighten the mood, before we get to my dumb questions, because we're there, is there anything that either one of you, this is your chance to talk to the masses or bitch about something, Thinking about making this like a confessional time, but that that's not why well, I don't want people to confess the stuff. But uh, feel free to get on your soapbox. Is there anything you guys want to talk about? Well, let's start with you, Zach. Do you have anything that you need to get off your chest? Know the law. If you're going to enforce it, really know the law. I see so many of these videos of, you know, first of my monitors, we all have our opinions on them, but I see so many videos of these people that are trying to push officers' buttons or whatnot. And they're on the legal ground, you know, and these officers give in and make an unlawful arrest or make someone ID when they don't have to. So truly know the law. It'll save your butt. I like that, man. I, yeah, you know, and here's the thing. There's always like an obscure thing that you may not know or whatever. But I, I had an FTO that told me like once a year he'd go through traffic code just to like stay up on it. And so he remembered some of the obscure stuff and reminded himself of that but fuck man like these people they're trying purposely to push you don't let them do it don't fucking fall into the game yeah absolutely and you know one of the things i think that some officers do is they they hear from their fto that this is legal or this ain't if if someone ever tells me that i'm gonna look it up myself i'm not gonna trust someone else's word because that's what gets a lot of people in trouble because this old timer told them yeah you can do this and then it's not really legal and you just believe your your buddy and you're doing something unlawful so i always say double check truly double triple check before you go out and do something like that and just no basic law basic con law because it really makes us all look really bad when you're out there violating someone's rights because you think you're in the right because your old ass pto or fto told you so 
That's fucking beautiful, and that probably inspired a meme. Cody, what do you got to get off your chest? Honestly, I think I got everything out of the way. I mean, Zach, if you have another something, go ahead and take the spotlight. I can't really think of anything. Nothing, man. Just know the law, truly. Know the law. I I fucked up a little bit. I, I skipped a little ahead to the dumb questions. Where are you guys now? Cody... Are you are you still in the job? Did you make a change? What's going on with you now? So, you know, maybe you and I are more alike than you think. Um, my right. Well, breath? I don't have a I don't have a giant slong, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I got out um not too long ago, a couple months ago, and I'm taking a break from law enforcement. You know, I may get back into it, but I also may be you and say that for ten years. Never do it. So. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> it hasn't so, been ten years, Dick. <laughs> um no i'm undecided but right now i'm taking a break i'm taking at minimum two years off if i really want to get back into it i hopefully will but if i don't i mean there's pros and cons you know to everything so you know i definitely miss the job in some aspects and don't so you know it's just pros and cons with everything in life was it i mean was it that incident where you're just like this is too much man i need it i need to kind of move away or was it something else so I moved things. away for my relationship, but I would have gotten back in, like I would have just, you know, went to a different agency. Hadn't I got into the officer-involved shooting and all that stuff in the aftermath. So in all reality, yeah, the, the shooting and the aftermath definitely kept me out of law enforcement. So, and, you know, good, bad, or not, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, you live with, you live with it every day and, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that it needs to be said, but I, I mean, both your circumstances, you know, and I know your, your guys said it too, but you guys did what you had to do, right? Like that's one of those things. And it doesn't sound like, you know, either you guys had an issue with the morality of it, but it, I mean, it's, it's no. a, it's a fucking huge thing, man. It's, it's, it's a thing. And especially, you know, what you went through just from like zero to fucking 300 miles an hour. Um, that's a lot, man. That's a lot for anybody to deal with. How's life on the outside, man? Have you found have you found something that translated well with your skills? Or you have a shirt? To be mind? honest, <laughs> I wish I tried to get my girl to be a brain surgeon, but she wouldn't bite. So I gotta work. Ain't that effed up? Um, no. I mean, I'm not. I've only been out for a couple months, so I think the the you know the the drive to get back in, how much I miss it is a lot stronger than the satisfaction currently with outside of the work. You know, maybe as time goes on, I'll be more satisfied out of work and, and miss policing less. But right now, you know, I will say doing policing, you do feel like you have a purpose. Um, right now, I do HVAC. They could teach anyone to do HVAC. They could train a monkey to do it. All you do is write down numbers, test some stuff, and you move on. You know, not everyone could do policing. I can, Zach can, poorly you can. Um, and, you know, I felt like I had a purpose when I did it. Again, you aren't locking people up for life all the time. Usually it's maybe 45 minutes to an hour, but you truly do have a purpose. You are, if you aren't going to do it, who else? You know what I mean? Like I said, not everyone can do that job. Um, so I feel like the purpose, you know, in life is a little bit dissatisfied outside of work outside of policing 
but this, you know, the pros are the, you know, less stress, don't have to go to court, have a normal sleep schedule. You know what I mean? Like there's pros and cons to everything. So that the only thing that does suck is my coworkers, obviously my twin and, you know, kind of having a purpose, you know, doing something to, for the betterment of society. That's uh that's real, dude. That I think that's the biggest thing that I, I run into personally is purpose like don't get me wrong like this is good this is a purpose right like and people you know people have uh sent me messages which i I do appreciate hearing it because every time i swear to god every time i'm like kind of like man this is fucking stupid i'm stupid this is bullshit i get that message from somebody that's like hey man uh thanks for what you're doing i appreciate it you know and i'm like all right okay calm down calm down lenny you're being a bitch (laughs) it's okay um but i mean there's it's such a purposeful job right like you know the the righteousness of fucking like trying to help out the little guy right you know all the other people be like oh you're you're the you're the bootleggers and thugs and whatever and it's like no most of us we don't fucking help the little guy you know um yeah we're gonna have some fucking action have some fun at the same time but all for the little guy right you know that's i think that's why a lot of people sign up um, you know, it's, it's funny though, the, the whole purpose thing and then the money and God, man, being an adult's fucking stupid. Is it not? It's fucking yeah, it truly stupid. Is. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, like I, not to, not to ramble on too long, but I had kind of a funny conversation with my wife cause I was kind of reading the room. Uh, I, I've, it's probably been pretty obvious to anybody that's listening to this podcast. Um, lately I've kind of gotten a little wild with the fishing. I didn't fish at all until like the summer. And now it's like the only thing I want to do. In fact, the whole time we've been talking, I've been thinking, I've been thinking about next time I go fishing. I'm not going to lie. Just kidding. Actually, this has been <laughs> enthralling, but I, I, I like to go. Right. And so I will fucking carve time out in my schedule and be like, all right, well, I can fucking bullshit this. I'm going to go fucking fish for a couple hours. Right. And I said something to my wife. I was like, do you think I go fishing too much? And she's like, yeah, it's a little intense. I said, well, here's the thing. I need you to realize if I go back on the job, I'm going to probably die five years after I retire. She's like, what? I was like, yeah, it's like well-documented cops fucking die right after they retire. And she's like, why? So the fucking stress, our hearts explode. We have all this adrenaline pumping through and we go and retire. We don't have it. I don't know what it is, but cops just fucking boink, done, gone. I don't know how much time I'm going to have. And I like fishing. I'm I'm not going to have an opportunity in my life ever again like this, right? Um this is a good time. I hope to be doing this podcast forever, but I don't know if it'll last forever. So I may have to like go and be a real person again at some point. I should enjoy this while I can. And if it's not affecting anything, like if it's why people are at school or you know whatever, if I norm- if we would have just been sitting around watching TV anyway, I should go fucking fishing. That seemed to make, you know, sense with her. And then, you know, I made a joke about, like, why don't you find a way to make money off of fishing, right? And, you know, my kid chimes in. You know, he's little. He's, like, nine. And he's, like, well, you know, yeah, you could, you know, go to the tournaments and stuff, which I'm a shitty fisherman. That's not happening. And I said, well, no, but that would take the fun out of it. He's, like, what do you mean? But then you're getting paid to do what you like. I said, because then that becomes work. And then you don't like it anymore. That's very true. And I think that's kind of the thing, like, 
don't get me wrong. Like I like doing this podcast and a lot of these podcasts are fucking like, this is, has been amazing. Like we've had some really good conversations about really terrible shit and then penis sizes, right? <laughs> it's been everywhere. It's, it's a fun, enjoyable conversation, but then, you know, then it becomes work, right? I got to sit down and I got to edit it. And you guys are dicks because you can't get your fucking names right. You know, yeah. and I got to hustle to make the money off of it. And it just, it becomes, it becomes work, you know, and it becomes mm-hmm. not just sitting down and having a conversation with some guys. It becomes work and that sucks, but it's a reality of it. And I think policing is sometimes, you know, you go into it and you're, you know, there to fucking run and gun and fucking get the bad guys and get some dope and take some fucking guns off the street and help out the little guy. But then you go to the bullshit TV and then you deal with the bullshit from admin or you deal with the bullshit from wherever. And the reality sets in that it's work. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what kind of brings it down to earth. And I know there's the, I don't know if you guys watch Letterkenny, but it's like, oh, if you love what you do, then you never work a day in your life. Is that a real thing? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever experienced that. I experienced that as Not a rookie cop. Work. I experienced it as a rookie, but uh-huh. then it, it went away. It, the road very quickly degraded <sighs> my soul. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got to uh, say about that. I'm still a cop. Um, hopefully turning the corner soon, but still currently working in the department. I'd say what saved me is mine wasn't as bad as Cody's. You know, no one tried to grab my gun. No one tried to stab, stab me in the chest. So that's, that was another thing too, is, you know, what saved me from not having PTSD and quitting the force because of it is because mine wasn't as gruesome. I didn't have to shoot someone in the brain and watch all their brains splatter out everywhere and then trying to shovel it back in and have someone just that personal just feeling of having someone fighting you're fighting for your life and someone stabbing the chest. That's, that's horrible. So I, that's what saved me. And that's what I'm still a cop currently, but I think what keeps you in the job really is the coworkers. I think you won't find any coworkers in any other job that are as cool as the cops and law enforcement. They are just the most down to earth, coolest people in the entire world that you'll ever meet. And they are, you would die for any of them. They are, if you get a good group of coworkers, you they're your best friends for life. And it, it's truly what has kept us, kept me in law enforcement. And it, it is what makes you go around just going out and doing fun things with your best friends. That is truly what's awesome. Even doing horrible, even the monotonous 90%, if you're doing it with your best friend, you can pull, you can do a lot of shit with your best friend. So that's what's awesome, keeps us doing this work. And if I were to go back on my soap opera, I would say, through my short career, I think I can boil down the root of crime. I would say the two root problems and why crime is created is soft on crime. There is no punishment. You, unless there isn't a body, you aren't going to jail. Unless you don't murder someone, you really aren't doing real time. You know, a lot of drug addicts even say that they needed the jail time to really straighten their life out, but you don't get that anymore. So people realize that there are no consequences. So they go out and do bad things and they continue to do it and do it and do it because they go to jail. They get out Monday. They go to do the same shit. They get out Monday. And we all know for juveniles, it's worse. They get sent home to parents and then they run away and go do some horrible shit. So I'd say soft on crime is number one and the lack of parenting. No one parents their damn kids anymore. It is insane. No one parents their damn kids. And these kids grow up without parents, whether they're in jail, they're drug addicts or just don't give a shit. They 
are not there. They're not that positive role model for these kids. So these kids grow up with other like-minded kids that live in these poor neighborhoods with them and they go out and gangbang. So that's the two roots of crime. I'd say soft on crime, no punishment and lack of parenting. We don't see it anymore. And that's what creates this generational bad kids grow up, go to jail, do some time, have kids at a young age because they just have sex with whoever. Then they create kids and they don't raise their kids and their kids grow up and have horrible kids. It's just that continuous cycle. Well, you know, you hear the people talk about like the the school to prison pipeline and they just they they like, oh, these kids act out in school and then they, you know, we make them go to jail. There's a little more to it and it has to do with what, what you're saying, but I'm not going to I'm not going to yell and scream right now because I could. And we don't want to hear that. <laughs> uh, so you guys are not living together. Are you guys still in the same city now? Are you still no, are you separated? farthest we are as far apart as we have ever been in our life and it is a change for real how far apart are you guys like ballpark states wow wow is that are you guys having a hard time with that no we just call each other every day and really have nothing to talk about we just call us like what up with it your girl what up with it yeah you put that on your mama yeah (laughs) bet yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now you're getting it. Quit your yapping. Um, <laughs> all right. Because now, are we ready for the dumb questions? Bring them. Okay. Now, this will be an abridged version of the dumb questions because they both have to answer. And I'm an old man and I need to go to sleep sometimes. Um, let's start here. We'll start with you, Zach. Would you do it all over again? Would you have uh, chosen law enforcement or if, if you know what you know and you could turn back the clock, you know, three, four years, would you have taken a different path? No, I would not do it all over again. Law enforcement has been awesome. It has opened my eyes up to a world that I didn't realize was out there. But I think eventually over time through life, you'd eventually figure out most of it, not all of it. But I'd say it's if I were if someone were to come up to me and honestly say, do you recommend me going law enforcement? hundred percent of the time I'd say, no, not worth it. Never worth it. You can get more money for a way less stressful job and your life isn't always on the line. And you're not always worrying financially about getting sued or, you know, your department effing you up the ass. So I would say, no, not worth it. Cody, what about you? Gosh. Hard question. And I'm the one with PTSD. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't. It's a hard one to think. If it were just a job, I would say no. But it's the coworkers. And I feel like maybe you got to that point in your career where you weren't even doing it for yourself. You were just doing it for your coworkers. You know, it's like if they can do it, I can do it. And I want to do it for them. Um, geez. I would say yes only because of the coworkers I met. So, you know, if I said no and I never met those coworkers, it wouldn't be I would I would rather do it over again just to have those relationships because they're worth it to me 100%. They're worth getting PTSD. They're worth the shooting and the stress and all that. They were worth it a thousand times over. Uh, Zach and I I could be wrong. You might be the first person to say no. <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, 
I'm the only smart one here. I'm the, well, I'm the one that's still in law enforcement. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I, I wrestle with this. I wrestle with this daily, hourly. Do I go back? Do I not go back? It's not a clear cut thing. Um, yeah. And yeah. half of me, you know, I'm obviously having dreams about how fucking stupid the job can be sometimes. Uh, I. Would I, I think, uh, well, here, no, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you, but what I learned recently, and I'll read you this quote, and I think a lot of your audience will feel it's true. Um, Cause I think the, the days of a career in law enforcement are over. Do you think if your career law enforcement guys, your department started today in 2023, do you think they could still last 29 years, 30 years? I don't think so. I don't think in today's climate you will be seeing career law enforcement because you can't do it. I think law enforcement would have been fun to have a career back in the 90s, back in the 80s. I don't think today we'll be seeing a lot of career law enforcement officers anymore because it's not you just can't do it in today's climate. But when I saw this on Instagram, it says you can easily do do more police work in five years than 70 percent of the cops do in 20 years. I think that the era of 20, 25, 30 year police careers is over. Get as much fun as you possibly can out of five years, then get out with some semblance of your mental health. And I think that's that sums up law enforcement better than I can ever uh, phrase it. I think that you can't create a career out of law enforcement in today's climate. Go in, have some fun, get out. I um I floated an idea a while back. I don't remember if I said 10 or 15 years, but I said, here's the thing. You want to get the best of the best? Tell people 15 years full retirement. Pay them. Fucking, you will get people to apply to be cops. People will apply in droves to be cops, and you will get some fucking highly qualified people because 15 years and then a pension, people will do it. Money obviously is going to be an issue here, but mm -hmm. I, I think if you think about it long term, you're going to have less turnover you're going to have better people. You're going to have more applicants to choose from. I think it would be better. Um, I I did want to dive into it because I've had this thought and I'm by no means a smart man at all. Right. I'm not going to pretend and preach that I know everything, but sometimes knowing less you're ha happier in mm -hmm. for right or wrong. Right. And you know, because you were talking about like, well, we would have figured these things out, but you might not have figured out everything. And sometimes no, ignorance is bliss, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes not seeing the things, not even the gruesome things, but knowing what actually goes on in the underbelly of our, our world and how little we actually do about it mm -hmm. and how people live their lives in a supposedly first world country. It you know for me it fuck it 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 burns at me a little bit man it eats at me a little bit and sometimes knowing less is better and yeah I totally agree now I I think anybody has listened to this podcast for you know any amount of time if they're not in law enforcement they kind of know some stuff right they've heard us talk about some stuff but still like if, if you're thinking about joining the, the police and people send me messages and say thanks to your podcast i'm being a cop so i feel like i'm doing a disservice i don't think you should do it man i think you should go do something else but 
I also respect it and I get it. I understand like it is, I, I do believe in it's a calling and you know, the old saying is if you're not going to do it, who is? And I think that is, that is something to consider is because if you're not going to do it, what fucking bozo is going to do it and be a fucking mess. Sometimes you got to take one for the team, but then, but then sometimes you don't, why do I got to take one for the team? See how much I struggle for this. I just want to go fishing, dude. That's all I want to do. Now, I'm really only working to supply my fishing habit. Uh, screw the family. Screw the go fishing. Be a man. <laughs> uh, you guys are too young. I was gonna ask for retirement questions. You guys don't fucking know. You guys don't. You guys don't. Thirty three years do. till we retire. Something. Like that. Yeah, you're fine. Nobody cares. Um. Okay. What about this, Cody? What's the stupidest thing you did as a rookie? Uh, learning what a mortgage was on a domestic was pretty dumb. <laughs> um, I think one of the uh, I don't one of that good one that sticks out that I did get in trouble for. I'm sure you know you do so many things you forget them all. Since it isn't the best example, but the one that does kind of pop out was I remember boyfriend girlfriend arguing, no assault. Boyfriend's like, all right, uh, I'm like, dude's got homeless or kind of homeless and i'm like all right i just need to get you out of here what can i do well take me to my mom's i'm like all right um i'm like call her up see if she will uh see if she'll allow you to go there he calls her up says yep my mom said we're good to go i'm like all right so i or no he mom did not answer the phone so mom didn't answer the phone i'm like you know what i got no other options i'm gonna drive you there and drop you off and hopefully we can knock on the door and we'll We'll deal with it there. Drive him over there. Um, knock on the door. No answer. It's like, oh, I'll just sneak in the back. I, you know, I there's a key. I'm like, are you, you know, like, are you sure? You know, I, I look in records. This is his listed address. Um, whatever. Drop him off. Go back to the station. My sergeant pulls me. He's like, did you know he's got a protection order with his mom at that address? <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Drove out there. He Oof. was hanging out in the street freaking being a psycho and um basically pulling there i'm like what are you why didn't you tell me what, what you didn't tell me you had a protection or he's like well you have records i'm like shut the fuck up you know fuck you and arrest him and uh you know call mom and she's like yeah i don't know why you guys dropped him off here i got a protection i'm like yep that was my bad she's like wait you arrested him for, yeah. No way, dude. That's a get out of jail free card, man. You just give him right somewhere. Oh, else. I should have, but the, my sergeant made me. I I, oh, I would have yeah. let him go, but um, you know, and he was still on the property. The property was a protected pace place, so I would have had to have driven him somewhere at least. Um, but anyways, mom's like, yeah, he came knocking on the front door, so I threw meds out the window and said, get out of here, you crazy son of a bitch. And I'm like, all right, sounds. So I took a report on that. So that's kind of funny. Oh my god, that would have been the most embarrassing report ever to write. So anyway, I am going to charge myself as an accessory to this protection order violation. Exactly. All right, what about you, Zachariah? Oh, mistake. I don't know if I can say one off the top of my head. Not that I didn't have it because I had so many growing up in a very ritzy neighborhood. I knew nothing about crime, so I messed up so much for the first year or so i was just horrible and then you stuck through and then you get a hold of it and you realize what's going on but i don't know if i can pick one off the head maybe because my mind just blocked them all out because i'm just so dumb <laughs> and my mind doesn't want to think of that stupidity so i i don't think i can pick one up 
off the top of my head because my mind just blocked out all those horrible days of just not knowing Jack. I always liked the uh, the people that came from, I'm going to assume upper class, a little upper class. Mm. Yeah. And then they go to like work in the hood and they're just mm. like, what? what? You know, I was by no means rich, but, you know, having my dad been a cop, so I, I kind of knew some of the stuff, but even like working in the hood, I was like, damn, this is fucking worse than I thought it was. But it's you guys are like the stereotypes, right? Like join the job at 21, Ritz parents get out there and you're like, huh? this is scary. Damn right it was. <laughs> I mean, kind of is. Let's be honest. It's okay. Be a man. Admit you're scared. Um. All right. So, I'm a little hesitant to ask this question, and we can definitely pass because it's been kind of a heavy episode. But I usually ask people for their favorite dead guy call. Are you guys <laughs> up for a favorite dead guy? Absolutely, I am. Yeah. All right. Let's start with you, Cody. So, I don't, family friend calls in saying, you know, I haven't seen this friend in a while. We're at his house. It smells real bad. Every cop knows, you know, you walk up to, we got, you started smelling like two houses down. You walk up, someone's dead in there. So we start clearing the house. And it was, I think it was an older dude, an older dude. But anyways, um, getting the house smells horrible. I mean, horrible. And uh, find him in the bathroom in the jacuzzi tub with the jacuzzi running oh, and sick. one week dead. Oh. He was he was like the Michelin man, you know, with a marshmallow body. But he was green and black and the jacuzzi was still running. So it was sloshing his guts around the tub. It was like something out of, I don't know if you, you've probably seen Silence of the Lambs where the lady sees that skeleton in the tub with the green and black goop in the tub. Yeah. He wasn't a skeleton, but he was the Michelin man, blown up, freaking like about to burst one week old dead guy with green and black like guts actively swishing around the tub because the jacuzzi mode was still on. That is disgusting. Worst you know, I, ever. Oh, yeah, that's bad. You know, I, I'm kind of surprised he hadn't popped and it wasn't just soup sloshing around. It was. That's that what it was. I worse. mean, part of his body was mellowed up. I mean, maybe his legs had given in, but, mm. you know, there it was like just a soup of like literally, I don't know what to describe it, just like fluids and parts and all that stuff just sloshing around. You know, I had a uh, I had somebody tell me once, I think it was somebody that worked for uh, RCSI. I said, you know what? It's never pretty. It's sure not. Zach, you got one? Uh, yeah, I remember this one time I, I was a rookie, so I didn't know what the smell was like, but we get up to this house, welfare call reeks to shit. My, my, everyone's staying outside. I was like, go in, see what's in there. I'm like, all right. So I, I try and boot the door in. Of course, the, the door's all frail. So my foot goes through the door and then I'm having to struggle out. Eventually I get the door open. Again, I was a rookie, so I just, I'm clearing. And then all of a sudden I see this guy in the corner. I'm like, holy shit. And I look at him, bloated up, purple, green, whatever, up to the an oxygen tank. And he's just sitting there, and it's just gross. So I, I just stood there for a second. Everyone's like, go clear the rest of the apartment. I'm like, all right, but this dude's dead. Clear it. 
And then we had to move him for some reason. I couldn't remember why. So I'm, and it was horrible. It reeked horrible. And then the way he's sitting, there's liquids coming out of him. So I remember grabbing his legs and trying to pull him off the couch because he was sitting on the couch. And once I grabbed his legs and started to pull him, I feel, I felt his skin rip off his, his skin was ripping off with my hands. So as I'm pulling, his skin's detaching from his like body and like pulling with my hands and that feeling, I'll never forget it. It was just so gross feeling you just ripping someone's skin off just because they're so dead and they're just degrading. I remember grabbing his skin and it was horrible. Those were not cheeky and fun dead guys. Those were fucking Mm -hmm. disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, why the fuck do I want to be a cop? I don't want to fucking deal with dead guys anymore. Um, what is the proudest moment of your career, Cody? It involves Zach. Um, you know, when I was like very new, um, was always making traffic stops. I mean, I I was through ninety percent, one hundred percent of my career. Actually, I was always stopping people. But anyways, um, stopped a car in a high crime area and get up to the window drivers, a male females, a passenger and drivers like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, Oh, you know, good stop, get some drugs, guns, whatever it may be. Boyfriend says to me, Oh my God, thank God you stopped us. My girlfriend has something to tell you. And the girlfriend's like covering her hands with her face. I'm like, Oh my God, we were just on the way to the hospital. I'm like, Oh Whoever whoever gets a rape report off a traffic stop. Uh, so, you know, girlfriend says I was raped and, and take her down to the hospital and, you know, took the report and um, didn't think of it. You know, it was, I mean, just one of those. I mean, it kind of stuck out because I got a rape report off a traffic stop. Didn't think of it. Two years later, Zach comes to me and says, hey, you remember those uh, people that you uh, took a rape report from uh, that traffic stop? I'm like, yeah. He's like. I just met them. They recognized me. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. They, uh, the, Zach had gone to a call involving them or whatever it was, and they're like, hey, officer, blah, blah, blah. How you doing? And, you know, Zach's like, I've never met you guys in my life. You know, what, what are you talking about? And they're like, no, you, you pulled us over and you took the rape report from my uh, girlfriend. And Zach's like, no, 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 it wasn't me, but I have an identical twin. Let me uh, look at the history. Pulls up the history. Sure enough, took a rape report. He's like, yeah, yeah, it was my twin. And they're like, oh, well, tell him we're still thinking of him. We appreciate it. And, you know, so that kind of felt good. 90% of people don't ever look at the cop. They just see the uniform. But for them to recognize my name and my face after two years and still remember that and, you know, talk to Zach thinking it was me was really cool that they were still thinking of me two years later. And it was just a run-of-the-mill call for me, but yet it really impacted their life. You know what's weird? And it's like an inception moment. It's like I've had people and, and myself, you know, where people have come up to us and said, hey, thanks. But you got the hey, thanks via another person, but it still felt real because it was your twin. It's kind of <laughs> exactly. weird. What about you, Zach? What do you got? Yeah, just to piggyback off what uh, Cody was saying. I mean, yeah, I'm just going to this call and the neighbors, like I was going to this scam call and the neighbors across the street just come running at me. Hey, hey. And I'm like, hello. And then they're just, we thank you so much. We just want to let you know we're doing good. We thank you for what you did that day. And thanks for pulling us over. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm assuming it involves my tr- my twin. And then, so I looked it up and sure enough, and they just want to say thank you. And they were so thankful for 
what Cody did and he pulled them over and he was so kind to them and he just want they want to give him like a update to their life and that they were doing good and they were got their own apartment and they were recovering well. So I was I told Cody that and he he liked it. So those messages are always nice later on when you hear that even if you arrest someone, they come back and say thank you for that. Um but one of my proudest times was uh I remember Cody Cody and another buddy were wrestling this one guy to the ground, basically a a bicycle stop. And you know when to do those and when not to. So they do this on this guy at night, you know, it's a high crime area. Um, and they wrestle on the ground, they get on the fight, all the officers jump in to get this guy detained and everything like that. And this guy's just not telling us his name, not telling them his name. And um they're just trying to figure out who he is. And then I roll up on scene and I immediately recognize him. And I remember going up to him and, Hey, blah, blah, blah. And he looks at me with just pure sadness. It, Cause he, he wasn't going to give up his name. You know how they are. They ain't going to give up their name because they know they got warrants. And he, when I called him out on it, he looked up to me and he was just, his heart just dropped. He's, and then he started like, yeah, you know me, you'll vouch for me. And I'm like, no brother, I've taken so many reports. You breaking into lottery machines and, whatnot this last three weeks and um i just remember everyone's face once uh could everyone had been working on him trying to get his name you know do all the run mill things and then i get there and i just hey what hey blah 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 call him out by name and just to see everyone on scene just everyone like oh hey how are you man and they're all just like hey what's up blah 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 how you doing thanks for finally getting your name blah 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 and, and he just knew he was done it was just so funny to you're working with all your coworkers and they're up there trying so hard and you go up there and you're like, Hey, I know you. And then everyone just starts laughing. It was funny. That's awesome. You should all do right, a segment so- about uh favorite, like false, like false impersonation stories. Like, you know, you should do a segment about like, Oh, someone's lying about their name. And you know, you finally figure it out. You should do a story about that. Or like, you, a segment. Want, to hear, you want to hear my story about that? Enlighten us. It's, it's fucking good. Um, <laughs> so, and I don't know if I, I've shared this one on the podcast or not, but this was around Christmas time. I think it was, I remember it being during holiday time. So kind of towards the end of the shift and one of those times where I'm like, I don't really want to stop this car, but they blew the fuck out of that light or whatever it was. Right. So I stopped the car and it's this lady, you know, she's got her kids in the car and I'm probably not going to write her a ticket. I was just going to talk to her, but she doesn't have her driver's license. And luckily in my department, you know, we had the technology. We go in the car, run our information and uh, figure out who they are. Well, um, I go back and I run the information and I click the button to uh, show the the photo. And uh, let's just say basically a different ethnicity pops up. (laughs) I was like, what? And uh I go up to the car. I said, Hey, look, um, I know you're not you're not so and so. Who is that? She's like, That's my half sister. Um, I'm sorry. I have this warrant, you know, I don't have a driver's license or whatever. Keep in mind, she's got two little kids in the car, right? So I go back and I run her, and it is just the most chicken shit warrant. I don't even I don't know if she had a warrant. It might have just been the driver's license. In my mind, I want to say it was a warrant too. But whatever it was was very chicken shit, right? Like 
I said, lady, it's Christmas Eve. I, we're not going to fuck with you, right? Like, I'm not going to arrest you. It had to been Christmas. Yeah. I'm not going to arrest you in front of your kids on Christmas for like this, whatever this fucking bullshit is. Like, I have a heart, but you're making it hard for me not to do that. So, of course, she got like, I was like, here's the deal. I'm not going to arrest you. But here is my Christmas present. Here is the most violations I can write on this fucking ticket because you fucking <laughs> lied to me about who you were. Because that to me, like lying about who you are. I mean, technically, I could have got her on an impersonation thing, too. Um that's that's go to jail like you're going to jail warrant or not right yeah. um but she's kids in the car and it was like right before christmas and maybe i should have i don't know but yeah that was probably my favorite one just because it was a different you know her sister was much lighter complected than she was you know and, and maybe like 50 pounds less so yeah, um i had one yeah go ahead. just one last false impersonation where Dude, you know, stop a dude lying about, obviously lying about his name, but we don't know who he is. And, and you know, basically we're, we're searching all his tattoos, all his characteristics, you know, height, weight, everything through every, every database that we could find. We were still couldn't find him, you know? And so we're like, all right, we're taking the jail. We don't know who you are, but you know, we know the jailers are going to know you. You know what I mean? Like you tell us who you are right now. We won't charge you. They, we, he's like, stick him with it. My name's blah, 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 blah. So on the way to jail, we're like, oh, how, you know, how was your day, John? We start calling him John because we're going to book him in. It's John Doney. He keeps getting pissed. My name's not John, blah, blah, blah. I was working with a partner at the time. They go sit in the booking stall. I go into the freaking jail and I look at the first jailer I see and I say, hey, can you come look at this guy and tell me who he is? The jailer peeks his head in, sees this dude's right earlobe for 0.25 seconds says that's and the guy hears his name and starts bawling my jaw drops to the floor my eyes go wide and i'm like you saw his earlobe for 0.25 seconds how the hell you know it's a parole absconder all this sex offenders you know that's blah 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 blah. and you know the guy starts crying because he hears his name jaw drops to the floor my eyes go wide. i'm like how the hell did you know who that was you saw his right earlobe for 0.25 0.25 seconds. It was the funniest thing ever. And then everyone's all making fun of him. Yeah, you're, uh, the fake name you gave doesn't sound a lot like your real name. You know, we're just joking with him. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I always appreciate the ingenuity, but you're going to get fingerprinted, motherfucker. You're going to know. Like, I know some places don't have like the live ID or whatever where it's, they actually fucking do like the old school prints and then they send them off. Um, but a lot of places, what is it, APHIS or something? I don't know. You just, it's like the machine. It, they know within like a couple minutes who the fuck you are or almost immediately, especially if you've been in the, the system locally. And they still fucking try. I always hated when you had somebody and you thought you had them. You know, they, the photo looked close enough or pretty close or oh, it's an old photo or whatever. And then they run it through and they're like, oh, hey, just, you know, it's a different dude. And you're like, God, yeah. Damn it. You gotta restart all the paperwork. You gotta fucking uh, <laughs> pain in the dick. And now you have the impersonation thing you gotta deal with. It just it, it turns like a fucking, you know, 30 minute trip to jail into like a couple hours. So I always hated that. Um, all right. I I was gonna skip these, but this podcast comes out in October, and I feel like I have to. We gotta do ghost and alien stories if you got any. Cody, do you have any? 
Um, alien story, not really, but I remember the first time I saw Starlink, I was on duty with my best, you know, couple good friends and we saw the Starlink go across the sky and we're like, holy shit, what is that? Is that like an alien invasion? We had no idea what Starlink was at the time. I thought it was going to die. All in shock. We're trying to pull out our phones and take photos of it as it's fading away because it's go. It goes. That thing moves, man. Just oh, it was the craziest thing. Two days later, I found out it was a Starlink. Ghosts. Mm, I don't think I got one. I'll pass it off. Zach, I got one for ghosts. I guess, and it really wasn't a ghost, but we get this fire alarm at this middle school. I'm checking it out. It's an old middle school. It's no lights are on. Fucking, it's it's creepy. It's old. Um, and I remember hearing something down this weird ass basement and it, you look at this basement and it looks like a, a cellar where it's just concrete down. And I hear dripping water on the right and like someone kicking around something. And that point I have my, I have my gun out. Cause I'm like, Holy crap, this place is possessed. I'm going to start shooting. I don't care what it is. I'm going to start shooting. Um, so I'm backing up in the middle of the gym room, like, holy crap, they're coming at me. All of a sudden, this firefighter pops around the corner. I almost, I almost started laying down on him, <laughs> and I almost freaking shot him because I thought ghosts were going to get me. I just had my in my mind. I, I had called on the radio. I was like, I need backup. This place is possessed. And someone was <laughs> coming to me because I just – no one should have been there. It was the creepiest little thing. Fire never said they were on scene. I think I'm alone. I'm searching this whole thing, and I'm hearing someone kick around a ball in this basement with, like, water dropping, and I, I wasn't going to go down the basement. No chance in hell is going to go down there, but no human was down there. I knew that. So I was scared shitless when this cop or this uh, fire to fire jumps around or walks around the corner. And I was, I was relieved, but just, oof, it was, it was a scary deal. I remember that, but it wasn't a real ghost. It was just them fucking tinkering with whatever firefighters do. So that reminded me, surprisingly, I've noticed a theme in a lot of the stories you guys have had. It, it involves like a single officer going into something without cover. Is that oh, how gosh. your agency was? We, we ride solo and we're so fucking busy. It t- you, you never arrive on scene with another cop. I mean, it's just so hard, man. And I wish we had a better, I wish we rode doubles, but you freaking, you're so damn busy. Your, your sector partners are tied up on some bullshit. Most of the time, you're going to a call by yourself. Backup might show up later, but for heavy-duty calls, like if it's a weapon call, everyone will drop what they're doing going. But for the nonchalant calls, like a noise complaint, you bet your ass you're going alone. You know? They, Not just no, that. I mean, no one's we, fucking backing you on that. They just can't. They're too busy. We handled DVs on our own. We handled assaults on our own. I mean, we were just very short-staffed, and we had a lot of calls given the population of our city and all that, that it was it was bad. I mean, there were some nights where only four officers are covering, covering a what I will refer to as a medium-ish size city. And, I mean, it was it was really bad. No, we, there was plenty of times I've handled DVs on my own. Both suspect and victim are on scene with three kids interview and, you know – what yeah. else? I mean, just yeah. assaults. Um, mm-hmm. You know, plenty of stuff where you shouldn't be going to by yourself. You know, there's a suspect on scene, but you're so short staffed. It's like it just sucked. That's yeah. To give yeah, you really a, an, to give yeah, you an example, bad. I remember this one time I went to DV on my own. Whatever, we're short staffed. No one could back me. Mom and daughter through the investigation interview three, four people. Mom and daughter 
assault dad because dad's a drunk. He's downstairs. They get pissed with him. They get fed up with him. They assault him. Arrest mom and daughter. Then go talk with dad. Realize he has a protection order. He shouldn't be there at the beginning. So then I arrest the whole family by myself and then take them all to jail and then wait for a grandparent to watch the little ones. So I was on that call for, I don't know, like three or four hours and I arrested everyone, interviewed everyone. And that was like a normal thing. You just, sometimes that's what happens, man. Damn. You know, and, and I bitch about my agency a lot, but well, they said this, but then they didn't always follow, follow through with it. But the idea was just wait, wait for your, if, if there wasn't two cars to respond, they would hold the call until a second officer cleared to go. Hmm. Which was nice. nice. It was That's nice. That's what we should do. That's what a lot of agencies should. That is what they should do. You know, if uh, you can't properly pay cops or you don't have enough people to go, then people got to wait, you know, um, unless it's an emergency. In that case, you know, weapons or whatever, people usually drop. But, you know, for all the bullshit calls, they can they can wait. No one is getting hurt at that minute. They can wait. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters. You know, all... Everybody's we, problem matters to a certain extent, but it, it can wait. It doesn't have to be answered immediately. Yeah. No, we get what you're saying when we couldn't agree more. Important question here. We'll start with you, Zach. What is the best patrol car of all time? Uh, The Charger. Dodge Charger. That's the only one I've really ever used. <laughs> but you're probably going to say the Crown Vic. But that's... What I agree, I did the Dodge Charger, but the Crown Vic probably would be dope if I drove it. Cody, what's the best patrol car of all time? Ford Explorer. In Cody said Crown Vic. Crown Vic. <laughs> all right. Here's here's the true moment, man. Nobody nobody cares about anything we've talked about at all. They just want to know. If twins shit their pants as adults, let's start with you, Cody. Have you ever shit your pants? Absolutely. I'm starting to think I got a bowel disorder or something. It's bad. <laughs> the worst and best case I can give you is driving home from work and it's coming. And I, and it wasn't even like any form. It wasn't like a solid object. It was a soup fest blowing and it was, it was getting ready to come. I'm speeding. I'm going fast. I, half park in my parking lot put in parking as soon as i put in park i completely shit my pants and it's like kind of those things when you when you pee it's really hard to stop peeing and i'm like i'm i'm pooping my pants so i'm just gonna let it all go and i pooped my pants it was a soup fest it was bad um so i and i'm wearing shorts so i pull the front of my shorts up or pull the front of my shorts forward to prevent the poop from sliding down my legs. You know what I mean? Oh my God. So it's, it's, I mean, it was that bad. I'm pull my shorts forward and I hobble up the stairs, get in the shower and just throw, I mean, shower off, throw away my clothes. My freaking, my freaking uh, car seat had a shit stain, smelled like crap for a week. I mean, it was horrible. That's pretty bad. That's pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, I don't time. have much different than that. Just same thing, driving home, can't make it, shit yourself in the car, grab those pant legs and pull them tight, baby, and you waddle, you <laughs> yes, waddle, sir. you waddle till you get to that damn bathtub and you let go and you just get rid of everything. Man, you guys have poor bowel. Yeah, we really <laughs> do. 
That's okay, man. Everybody shits their pants, whether they want to admit it or not. Agreed. Okay. Well, guys, uh, thanks for taking the time this uh, evening to record this this podcast. Uh, I usually ask, and I'll ask both of you guys, per customs of this podcast, if you have any words of wisdom you'd like to impart on the millions and billions of listeners. Cody, what do you got? Get a therapist. Know the law. Listen to Poorly Made. Yeah. Especially number three. <laughs> Zach, what do you got? I already said my piece, man. I, I really said what I had to say, and I think Cody just, you know, reiterated it. And that's all I got to say about that. Well, on that note, you guys know what to do. Uh, take care of the fine, fine sponsors that allow me to uh, bring this podcast to you guys twice a week. And uh, if you want to be a monthly donor, it's like a Patreon, but you don't get anything but the satisfaction of knowing you help me pay my bills. There's a link at the very end. You can be the monthly donor. Otherwise, go check out Ghost Patch for coins and patches. Holidays are coming up. They're great presents. We got all kinds of fun stuff. The whole series on uh, achievements, we continually add to that. And uh, we have something else. Hopefully, we can get squared away that we're working on. I think it's going to be very, very good. And then, uh, of course, I got T-shirts and mugs and stuff on my spring store. But First and foremost, before you do that, make sure you're taking care of each other. You guys know how it is. People have something going on. Make sure you're helping them out, throwing some uh, change into the collection jar or uh, a GoFundMe's and all that. Make sure we're taking care of each other. With that said, remember, take it from these boys. If you have a blowout in your car, make sure you curl up those shorts, pinch it real close so you can waddle inside. And I love most of you. Bye-bye.